Hey there. Uh, before we get to the show, I want to cut in with a brief announcement. Uh, not here to sell anything this time, uh, but rather to reinforce a policy for this show and for lots of others on the network um, that uh, doesn't really get stated very often, this policy. Um, recent political events here in America have a lot of people uh, kind of scared and dismayed. And there's a very real likelihood that uh, uh, things are going to get pretty bad uh, for marginalized groups of people based on you know, things like race, religion, sexual orientation, uh, gender uh, here in the coming uh, days and likely years. While none of our shows are explicitly political, we are. Um, and it's going to be impossible to keep our views from poking through uh, in the face of this uh, kind of changing climate. You know, we're complete people with views and convictions, and we have no interest in doing shows where we can't bring our entire selves to the to the table. Uh, moreover, we want to reiterate that creating a welcoming environment for people is, uh, to use some kind of shitty business speak, a, a core value of the network. Uh, we will not tolerate uh, any kind of harassment of people, especially based on the aforementioned criteria of race, religion, sexual orientation, and gender um, in our community. This isn't a political question in our eyes. It's more of a question of humanity and not the kind that you get from invading people. Um, I don't have a URL to direct you to and nothing to sell. Again, uh, just an expectation to set. Uh, we'll speak our minds about these issues uh, and likely won't respond to people who ask us to stop. We've been down that road before. It's just it's just who we are. Additionally, uh, please continue to be cool. We've been super lucky uh, with this community so far and protecting and reinforcing it. Uh, it's our number one goal. Uh, the aim is to make things easier for each other, not harder. Um, so here's the show. Thanks for listening to that. I hope everybody's doing okay. Uh, we're going to be here. And uh, yeah, we'll be here. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. You are a dragon. More dragon than I. A deserter could hope for no better place to die. <sighs> My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. My name is Callum. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a uh, a dragon, the true dragon favorite. <laughs> and this week, uh, there can only be one true dragon. Um, this week, we are talking about Arch Dragon Peak. And uh, as you heard, we're joined by Callum, also known as Aegon of Astora. Hi, Callum. Hi, Cole. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. I've been a big fan of the show for a while, so the pleasure really is all mine. Yeah. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, we, we've been meaning to to have you on for a while. I'm glad we were able to to finally make it work and, and have things. This season has been uh, a strange one to schedule um, because we, we schedule further out usually than most people uh, plan for mm -hmm. because of our particular uh, neuroses about planning and then uh, so th this is the uh, season where i've had people who have kind of agreed to be on the show and then when i've circled back to them they fell off the game uh, mm -hmm. so so that happened a few times so thank you very much for being able to you know for being being available and also uh just in general for for everything you do yeah. um really do appreciate it uh how can you talk a little bit about um kind of your position in the community how you got into dark souls uh, how people might know you uh etc 
Sure. Um, those three things are very much entangled for me. So uh, I guess I'll just go back to um, start with how I got into the game um, while trying to be mindful that this uh, isn't don't give up skeleton. So I'll try not to go on for too long. <laughs> um, but yeah, I um, starting in around 2011, I started realizing uh, while in the midst of an undergrad education in business that I didn't really want to do that for a living. And so I found myself in the position, uh, being very fortunate and having an interest in science and technology to start studying uh, science and technology studies at graduate school. Um, and I went into that program with a very sort of, I guess, naive perspective on the history of science and technology, you know, these notions of uh, grand heroic narratives and whatnot. And when I... Yeah, when I first started, it was a real struggle for me because I had this conception of history that uh, of everything being sort of unproblematic and, you know, great, great men, European men of history doing great heroic things. Um, and then I came to graduate school and learned that history is a bit more complicated than that. Um, and so it was around that time in mid-2013 when I first played Dark Souls. And uh, I struggled my way, as I'm sure everyone does, through my first playthrough Um and it wasn't until my second playthrough and when I also purchased the uh, Artorius of the Abyss DLC that I started to realize that Dark Souls is very much um, – it presents a, a conception of history is very much like the one I was learning about in graduate school, whereby what's actually left to the historical record has an enormous impact on what the history actually ends up being. And in, in the case of Artorius in particular, um, you know, Miyazaki gave that interview with IGN way back in the day when – uh, he was being asked about the contradictions between the story of the base game and the DLC as it relates to Artorias. Um, and uh, Miyazaki basically said there is no contradiction. That's just sort of how history works. And so I, mm -hmm. I came to the game from this perspective of someone who was struggling to sort of wrap his head around history um, in such a way that the game helped me understand history, the history of my studies, and on the other hand, that... Um, my studies actually helped me understand the game. And so taking that sort of critical theory approach to understanding the game and its story, I decided that I would um, start doing videos. Uh, I didn't expect that anyone would give a damn about, <laughs> about that approach. Um, and I started with my first uh, series was called Dark Souls 2 Let's Talk Lore. Um, but it was and meant to be more of a dialogical approach to understanding the story. But uh, I didn't really have any viewers. So it was more of a monologue. Uh, the entire time. And uh, I really didn't actually start getting many viewers until I applied this approach to uh, Bloodborne. Um, and yeah, I think something like 40, 50 hour long playthrough of Bloodborne that I have where uh, in each area, rather than looking at the game as a story, and this is especially applicable as you guys have discussed throughout the season to Dark Souls 3, uh, rather than looking at the game as, uh, or the lore of the game as being able to uh, as us being able to actually piece things together in a way that makes sense, I just kind of disregard that goal altogether and just sort of go through each area and look at things and talk about things and, and bring that sort of critical academic perspective from my studies to bear on the game and vice versa. And lots of people comment and, and help us out throughout that. And uh, yeah, I think that's mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've watched a, a bunch of, a bunch of your videos, your early stuff, and I've seen, um, you also currently do a YouTube podcast now with uh, Redgrave and uh, Richard Pilbeam and yep. uh, Ashen Hollow, correct? 
Yes, uh, it's called uh, yes. uh, bes- Beside the Bonfire, no relation to, <laughs> <laughs> to Bonfire no, Side Chat. If, if, if we actually like thought that people who used bonfires in their name for anything were somehow biting our stees, like <laughs> we'd spend all day like yeah. thinking that like it is uh, it is, you know, the thing on shirts. So we, we do not know we do not have a, a copyright on. Yeah. on the concept of a fire uh, bonfire but that's gary's um, response um callum if you could open up that envelope you will notice that you <laughs> oh, have been no. served oh, no. <laughs> no. just to be clear it's not my podcast it's the ashen hollows podcast yeah. <laughs> so I, I i have no liability in that. Yeah. No. Uh, so that's why you got me on here Dang. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, I saw that when I was looking up, um, looking up stuff and saw because uh, people, you know, who listen to this, I remember Richard, who's been on a couple of times mm-hmm. and is really great. Also, you know, has kind of a new, unique perspective. One of the things I like about uh, what you and Richard do are those kind of uh, I think you guys both kind of take a kind of a unique way of looking at uh, looking at the series and looking at the games. Um, you know, Richard, with with he does that kind of, you know, you, you do that, uh, that academic perspective you just mentioned. Richard, who does that, like very uh, kind of focused on visual iconography, um, mm-hmm. you know, statuary things like that. Yeah. Um, Richard is much more focused. Mine is very all over the place. Where <laughs> I just sort of walk through, and then you know, I do prepare things in advance of every episode to talk about. But occasionally, um, so like for example, we and and we're really far behind just because I had to take a break uh, for you know real life things. But uh, when we got to the undead settlement, I was walking around. and I was just like, oh. Well, I guess we could talk about Foucauldian ideas of discipline and, and, you know, power and things like that. And so I just kind of throw things out there as – but that's sort of my academic style as well, whereas Richard is very focused and concise and brilliant. And so, uh, yeah, that's why I have him on my show. It, it's one of those things where the – one of the things that continuously impresses me about the series is that there is room for all of those – you know, I've said it a bunch of times, but this kind of cottage industry that's grown up around it, where there is room for so many perspectives on this this mm-hmm. kind of single thing. Like it's so yeah. rich, where like you can just kind of you can come at this from so many different angles and and succeed yeah. at that. Yeah, exactly. So. And that's and that's the thing about like you know rather than getting uh, you know hung up on how difficult it is to actually piece together a coherent story in the games um, in, in Dark Souls 3 in particular. I just sort of come at it from the perspective of, you know, here's this game uh, that can be used as sort of a educational platform in many respects uh, for uh, exploring what each thing means in the game, but also, you know, reflecting that back on ourselves as well as, you know, society more broadly. Um, and using that, using those gaps as a way of sort of, you know, teaching people about things that they wouldn't otherwise be interested in learning about. So it's an educational Trojan horse in a way, but, (laughs) you know, in, in a nice educational manner, as opposed to, there was an evil uh, Trojan horse, like (laughs) the Trojan horse. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. Not, not enough, uh, not enough good things are are said about that specific, you know, that specific uh, ruse. (laughs) Maybe that's to get invaded. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're really happy to have you. Um, the uh, and this, as Cole mentioned, this episode we we're talking about uh, Arch Dragon Peak. Um, Cole, what did we uh, what did we do previously? Well, last time we kind of reached the climax of the game um, a, a little bit. Anyway, we ascended through the Grand Archives to the top of Lothric Castle, uh, defeating the princes there, um, Lorien and uh, Lothric. Uh, and obtained their cinders, unlocking our way to the end of the game uh, through Firelink Shrine. But there are a couple of things left to do before we actually uh, uh, fire that particular arrow. Namely, again, Arch Dragon Peak. 
Yes. Uh, Arch Dragon Peak, we're also, for people who are listening, we're going to do the uh, the first DLC before we hit the endgame. And uh, during our endgame episode is when we're going to do the kind of NPC roundup and and hit everybody who we haven't uh, already talked about right. um, as well. So we are going to wrap up those those kind of loose ends. Um, but this was definitely the biggest and most obvious of the loose ends that we have not touched yet. <laughs> and it, it's appropriate to save it right before the endgame because of the, the difficulty level, I think. Yes. Um, this is kind of endgame uh, content. Mm-hmm. Um so the uh, the um is yeah. is there a Dark Souls area that is more well hidden than this one? Uh maybe Ooh. Ash Lake? <laughs> like Ash Lake is very hidden. Yeah. Um that that's very, very hidden. Um getting the uh the key to the upper cathedral ward I think is pretty tricky. You're still just finding an item, but mm-hmm. um you know, the relation between those areas and, and kind of making the intuitive leap to to do the you know the thing you have to do to get down there, but this is at least as hidden as anything else. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. more so than I would say, uh, you know, going back to to the asylum. Yeah, um, at least mm-hmm. as hidden as Ash Lake. Um, yeah, it is. This is this is tricky to get to. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit that like I missed it on my first run through, or would have. You know, I got to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to fight the boss. Let's look up and see what things I've missed. <laughs> And uh, and texted Allison, uh, Allison who had imported the game, and and uh, you know generally ex- uh, explores these things you know thorough, very thoroughly, and is smarter than I am. And I was able to you know to say like, hey, what have I missed? And and she's like, oh, did you get to Arch Dragon Peak? And Arch Dragon what? Um, you know, and who shot who in the what now? Yeah. And and it's such an interesting uh, the way you get here is such an interesting intersection of um, a multiplayer mechanic and a single player thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because th- that was the purpose of gestures, like taking gestures and kind of turning them into uh, PVE considerations has been seen before. Like you do it in Bloodborne, obviously, mm-hmm. with the uh, with the, the Mensis with the, or the Nightmare of Mensis uh, tumor thing. Yeah, yeah the, the, you know, make contact. But it's pretty rare. Like you, we don't really do it. And this is, uh, you know, probably the most significant and weighty intersection of gesturing, which is just kind of used to taunt people in PVP usually <laughs> um, <laughs> and the actual in-game world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's some lore about this um, that we that that probably would be useful for anybody who hasn't uh, uh, done a deep dive on Dark Souls one. Um, I know people like that do listen. Um, so uh, Dark Souls one opens up with a story about the arch dragons or these eternal dragons, these uh, um, beings that were uh, that have stone scales. Uh, they're immortal and they presided over this kind of world before the world, um, before the plan, before the first flame really got things started. As we know at the kingdom of Lordran, um, which we see in, uh, uh, in Orlando here, uh, was built by Gwyn, um, uh, and, uh, his compatriots after they defeated these dragons in this war. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this, um, and from that, from Anorlando, you can actually see our Dragon Peak. Um, this kind of citadel, it's off in the distance. Uh, in, in, Dark Souls, in, in Dark Souls 3. Yeah. Yeah, from, yeah, exactly. It's not in Dark Souls 1, which would have been amazing uh, planning. <laughs> the, um, and uh, this is where this kind of place takes place in Dark Souls 3, or what it kind of is, is uh, this place where people go, um, kind of warriors go, to become a dragon. Like it has this kind of monastery monk kind of sense. And it is full of people who have either uh, had their development kind of arrested and failed to become dragon, these serpent men, um, as well as uh, this is where uh, uh, Gwyn's firstborn ended up. And there are tons of statues of Gwyn's uh, firstborn here. They're destroyed since he has been stricken from the records after a betrayal in that war. And we're going to get to that when we get to the boss of the ultimate boss of this area. There are two bosses. Yeah. 
Um, but the, the place in the world that my understanding of this is that this is kind of like a uh, a warrior's order. You know, this is something you pray to. The way we get here, which we we alluded to without actually uh, mm-hmm. saying what it is, is that you find this uh, this area near Aerithel Dungeon where these uh, dragons uh, and other warriors have made this gesture, are sitting on yoga mats and are facing <laughs> the shrine. <laughs> and uh, if you make that gesture as well, which is this, again, this kind of meditation uh, gesture, you get kind of teleported here. <laughs> yeah. Um, can, Go ahead. Sorry, if I may, can, can we talk about that setup a little bit? Because um, uh, in advance of this episode, I did a whole lot of research and testing on this area because it wasn't really an area I knew very well. Um mm-hmm. And so a lot of the things that I'm going to say on this episode will be prefaced with, I don't know if this means anything, but <laughs> oh, sure. And so I don't know if this means anything, but um, when we come across that spot that you, that uh, Gary just mentioned where, you know, it has the, there are a bunch of yoga mats and there's the one yoga mat that we're supposed to go on. Um, we find that there's a corpse of a uh, dragonkin, which I believe is where we get the headstone from initially. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then there are two Lothric knights who, uh, they have their heads sort of slouched down in the same way that happens to us when, uh, we, we get that cinematic. Uh, so there are two, um, Lothric knights wearing the red capes. There are two cell swords and there are two deserters. So those hollows from the high wall, uh, the cell swords and the Lothric knights have their heads slouched over and the deserters are sort of in a fetal position. So, again, I don't know if that means anything. It might have something to do with what will what will happen later with um, with Hawkwood. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a couple couple notable, notable things here. You teleport to this area, uh, making it a, kind of a rare, a, a, you know, a, a rare beast. Right. Um, and you do so by meditating and there are item descriptions that kind of indicate that when members of this order meditate, they actually envision this place. They envision the arch dragon peak. So, um, and also when you teleport there, it is, uh, kind of in a different time of day, different weather, uh, different everything, even though, you know, these two points are visible from each other, the overall sky couldn't look any different. And so the sky- there, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, Cole. Uh, the skybox is actually completely unique yes. in the sense that, uh, like, obviously there's something that happens to the skybox later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but together with uh, basically everything having to do with Irithyll mm-hmm. and Firelink Shrine, uh, Archdragon Peak is the only place that doesn't doesn't get the dark sign in the sky, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it never changes. Right. Um, and to, to me, the way that I'm interpreting interpreting this is I don't know if you're physically traveling to this place so much as projecting to it, um, maybe at a different time, um, different place kind of things like that. The, good. Or I was going to say, like, that's that's kind of how it feels to me. And I didn't uh, initially think that uh, when I first came here. But I do think that um, with the non uh, kind of magical you know, transition to untended graves that happens in this game. Like there is precedent in this game for, you know, kind of non portal, non, you know, heavily signified traveling through dimensions, times, mindscapes, (laughs) kind of whatever, you know, it it needs to be. And that meditation line, I keyed on it as well, given that it is literally, you know, that's what you're doing. That's what the pose is. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. so like projecting is a good way, I think, to put it. Um, what that means for where this is at, 
um, either chronologically or I mean chronologically because we know where it's at spatially. Like yeah, we can, you can see, see it. And, and you can see in Orlando from there too. Yeah, but it's not again that skybox and the fact that it doesn't change with the dark sign. Kellen brought up is significant in maybe placing this in a different time or somehow protected from the the cataclysm that's happening to the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My um, my position is pretty much the same in that uh, you know I know it, like I believe it's a physical place. Like again, you can see it, uh, but I also don't think. If we are there physically, we're not traveling there physically, we're teleporting, but uh, I think it's more likely that it's sort of a Dreamlands-esque place, mm-hmm. sort of like, uh, you know, many of the areas in Bloodborne. Yeah. Um, actually, the little scene that you teleport there from with all of those kind of dead bodies, uh, the dragon statue, and then those those kind of people who are uh, slumped over, it's kind of a mini Mensis kind of situation. Mm-hmm. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's Mensis babies. Mensis yeah, babies. Yeah, that connection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll take Mentos babies and make my dreams come true. Literally. The, um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, and if, um, sorry, Gary, go on. No, no, it's a, no, there, there was no, uh, there's no postscript to that. That, that non joke. Um, the, um, I was going to say yeah. that if, if there are any doubters about, you know, the, this suggestion or this thing that we're bringing up, um, a counter example would be, um, or maybe not a counter example, but another, uh, perspective to look at this from is, uh, after we defeat Vort way back at the high wall, um, and you know you walk up to the end of this path that is basically no longer there, and uh, you raise the banner, and the Batwing demons come and carry you over to the undead settlement. Uh, they won't do that after you've gone the first time and lit the bonfire. They they no longer carry you. If you do that, it just sort of teleports you there, and because you know there's a bonfire there, um, and so if if they have the animation in the game for that, uh, then there's really no reason why they wouldn't have also have an animation for this journey that we're taking. Uh, and what's more is that it fades to black and we're, fo- you know, we're forced to only pay attention to the sound and, you know, we're not actually seeing anything happen. So it seems, yeah, pretty open and shut to me that we're not at least at the very least that we're not physically traveling there. Yeah. This isn't a series that is shy about showing a gigantic thing, picking you up and taking you somewhere. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> Which, you know, so, and, and to, to my mind, um, you know, I, I'm pretty convinced about that. I don't know exactly, you know, the fact that this is projecting that this is kind of a space in the mind. Um, I'm not sure whether I, I particularly like it. Like, it doesn't matter whether <laughs> I like it or not that that's the case. Um, but it, it does feel <sighs> Like it, there's there's a there's a temptation, and I understand that the dreamlands are not unreal. Like the dreamlands are a real place. Like hmm. you know, if, if anybody's versed, like I'm you know pretty versed in like that idea. Um, but it does make it feel less kind of significant when it is if it is like a mindscape. You know, if it's somewhere hmm. where you're just kind of teleporting to, um, that's fine. But if we're going to just kind of like a mindscape to go do this thing, it feels disconnected in a way that I don't think I think I would have thought it was pretty awesome if a dragon came and picked you up for for doing <laughs> this you know like i i mean like i don't know i, I think that would have been it would have been at least a little bit neater um to me it like this, this has creates, a feeling of muddying the waters a little bit yeah definitely creates a lot of unnecessarily nonsensical uh muddiness when it comes to the npcs that we meet there and the items that we yeah can get. like we can get items from them there but then when we want the rest of their items, we have to go elsewhere for it. And that yeah. just, yeah. 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 It's, it's weird. Um, so we show up there. It's, it's a beautiful like skybox. Like it does, um, something that, uh, the game, like something that dark souls two does really well, which is like, 
the 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 courage to have something be pretty <laughs> you know like it's not ominous it's just like a beautiful sunny day um you know similar to uh the, the dragon airy or a medulla or something like that where it's just kind of like oh this is very pleasant looking um you know and like we actually that, uh, the sun and the moon in the sky yeah at once yeah yeah that, that kind of summer you know early fall uh late summer kind of thing mm-hmm. that, that i love so much that that kind of time and uh you kind of move through here we find those um those little stones uh those uh that is a religion that is escaping my my mind right now oh those the stone, like stone. the stone stacks like almost a little like little cairn kind of things yeah yeah, yeah that, that there's um I think I first saw that in one of Richard's video where he, he pointed out what that is um, exactly. And I, I feel embarrassed for they're present in, um, in the fishing Hamlet. I know that the, yeah, uh, the that, I think that's cameras. where I've seen him. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm talking about that um, on our way up and we're reduced to the kind of main enemy here, um, which are these serpent men Yeah, um, that are, uh, you know, it seems pretty clear that these are probably related to the sun's fortress serpent men, even though they are, seem kind of on harder times. Like the fact that they cover themselves up, that they're more slunched over, um, slunched. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, they're slouched, <laughs> I get it. Slouched over slash, you know, Sl- slumped over. Works. Gary, you be you. Yeah. Okay. Own yeah, it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, like, uh, they're, they're snacking on slunchables and they're, 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 uh, they're just, uh, but they seem like a little bit more pathetic to me than those, uh, those proud kind of uh, warriors we had before. It's, it's those, a posture thing too. The, uh, yeah. the, the previous, uh, serpent warrior guys, um, were very upright when they, when they attacked these guys, they, they most readily evoke the, uh, um, the elephant. Well, well <laughs> like yeah, just, <laughs> um, but there's, there, there's something about them that reminds me of, uh, the, uh, oh gosh, the beast men that you find in, oh gosh, Bernie town. Old Yarnum. Yeah. Old Yarnum. There we go. Yeah. You know, B- Bernie town, the town that was burned. Um, <laughs> yeah, the peace patients. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> reminds, reminds me of, uh, of, of those guys a little bit because they are shrouded. Um, and that actually, uh, makes it land a lot harder when they do these attacks with their gigantic necks or when they, <laughs> when they fire their, their breath and you actually like see, Oh, these are, these are snake men who are like concealing themselves. Like, or, or the ones with the two daggers who, uh, when they're holding their daggers out in like sort of a parry stance, <laughs> don't don't attack them unless you have an yeah. unparryable weapon. Because <laughs> the the craziest repost in the game where they sort of put you in their mouth, throw you up into the air, and then <laughs> oh, like sort of slam like, you yeah. down. And they also do some really yeah. nice fancy like gymnast flips as well that are yeah. <laughs> yeah. This this Quite kind of lack impressive. of uh, stature, this kind of patheticness to them, though, really makes sense if they are, which what I, I kind of believe is people who were, you know, because we, again, there's so much precedent in this game in the series for people turning into dragons. Um, this is an epicenter of at least one path of that, which is, you know, this kind of this warrior path, this kind of the purity of turning into a dragon. It's not mm-hmm. specifically to avert the curse like it was in Dark Souls 2. Um, it is uh, like a warrior's way. And the idea of them kind of getting partway there and kind of fucking up, you know, like this kind of, you know, I'm always going to have a, a place in my heart for like a, a half transformed being, Yeah, you know, like why should you know, kill me? Like see, why see, see a drider? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, a drider. Perfect. Um, like that kind of thing. I'm, I'm really into you. And the fact that they are kind of pathetic because they don't have this glory of a dragon. Like mm-hmm. when the player turns into a dragon, when you use the, the head and torso stone, like you look dignified. Yeah, like your posture gets better. Uh, <laughs> these guys do not look dignified, and that's uh, the kind of uh, the thing that I, I take away from them. Yeah, how do you so? How do you square that away with the stuff that's in the text that says that these man serpent people are kind of the failed descendants of the uh, 
of the everlasting dragons because that to me lines up with like puts them more in line with uh with the primordial serpents almost like are all of these just things that failed in becoming like like are there are those ideas mutually exclusive or are they compatible do you think i well, you know i i, I don't know do, do you have a good answer for that Callum? uh not exactly but the guide and the the guide is another one of those caveats i must offer in that i know in in the first or second episode of the series you guys talked a little bit about the guide and how how it was a little bit disappointing compared to those that were done by future press yes Mm -hmm. um and uh so i i'm not entirely sure what to think about the guide myself just because i feel like whereas with the future press guides we knew at least you know that at least two of the authors really understood the importance of specificity when it comes to you know what you actually uh, you know, the text you use to describe things. I don't feel like that's necessarily in this guide. Um, but with all that said, the guide describes them as a lesser form of dragon kin. Hmm. Um, but beyond that, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like, I mean, there. It's. I don't have a way to square them. I also think that I can't necessarily square all because it it is in text that there is a like turning into dragons is a warrior's way kind of thing i think it's Mm -hmm. on the calamity ring um there's a thing about the order of the dragon um and that being like they're seeking greater challenges this is what hawkwood is doing here Mm -hmm. he wants to become the true dragon so they both exist yeah um to me that feels like again and i don't like I actually kind of I like like this area. Like it's I don't want to spend too much time slagging off on it. Not least to which, lest I become even more of a parody of myself. But like to me, that that dissonance has more to do with the the narrative. Like having a lot of threads that lead to the same place in the in the narrative. Yeah, so like yeah. having like a bunch of reasons why people might turn into dragons or be dra- half dragons mm-hmm. in the game. Uh, is kind of a problem with the narrative. Yeah, I mean, and know? see also giants. See also anything related to gods, kings, lords. Um, you know, nouns. <laughs> yeah, the- n- nouns are fuzzy, and at a certain point, we just have to be like, if it if it makes for a more satisfying read, I can kind of rack my focus yeah. a little bit. You know, like it gets nowny wowny with, <laughs> with the with the half half dragons because if if we do tie it into the primordial serpents, which like I saw that connection as well. Uh, I don't know what to put at the end of that Mad Lib, though. Neither do I. Like, if that's the case, why? What? What does that mean? <laughs> you know, I don't. I have no idea. Like, what is the like? Again, it's one of those things with connections. Like, oh, okay, it's connected to the Primordial Serpents. We have a connection between Kath and the Sable Church of Londor, and a connection between Frampt and Lothric. But what do those things have to do with Archdragon Peak and this Order of Warriors? Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it has a little bit of that feeling of how like Logan and Seath are connected to every area in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when I think of it as a more of these people being on that path to becoming warriors, given the fact that we do find all of those uh, those people who are presumably or possibly projecting here, Mm -hmm. you know, or like we're projecting here and their bodies died like Mikolash um, at the yoga mats. Um, I like (laughs) I prefer that explanation because it doesn't connect to every other single lore thread in the game yeah and there's also precedence in the series i mean both major entries before this you know had had the same thing where the dragon bros yeah like it's another one of those intersections of a pvp mechanic and a pve thing given kind of like a pvp mechanic being elevated to a pvp thing which is Mm -hmm. like kind of interesting like it's it's neat the idea that in with that time when i was just speaking a dragon bro because i thought it was novel to breathe fire (laughs) um in dragon in dark souls one like i was Mm -hmm. actually on this kind of path that has this you know and them kind of recontextualizing that path i was on yeah 
There's, um, there's definitely an element of headcanon, though, to, to them being these pathetic kind of failed acolytes. Mm-hmm. For know? me, I, I've uh, that's the first time I've even considered that possibility. I, I've always looked at them as sort of just servants of you know whomever is is in charge of this place. Um, and and I guess maybe that goes back to and depends on some sort of coherent connection between the Serpent Men in this game and the Serpent Men in Dark Souls 1, and I don't know if that connection actually exists. But, uh, yeah, I, I just thought of them as, you know, these people who are there sort of defending uh, defending the Archdragon Peak and, and being there for your trials, because that's what this area seems to me in, in the same way that Dark Souls 2, the, the Dragon Shrine, did post patch 1.1 and scholar of the first sin that it's just a series of trials to see if you're worthy enough to you know walk the path of the dragon although in dark souls 2 that's not how it ended but yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i i mean i can i definitely can see that as well like them just being they work for the nameless king uh you know work for it's not like they draw a paycheck like (laughs) clock in and stuff but they serve the nameless king and they are here as part of that trial. And that's kind of, uh, so I, I like that idea too, because when we get to the place where you're trying to get the, uh, sparkling, uh, torso stone, mm-hmm. um, at the top of that, like that is a gauntlet that feels like a gauntlet. Like it feels like you're joining a gang and you have to walk down a line where everyone hits you with a bar of soap <laughs> in a bag. I've know? got a lot to say about that later too. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> um, I love fighting these guys, um, just as like regular, um, kind of encounter composition, um, kind of elements, they're really really fun not only because of that awesome parry that they do i think this is an area <laughs> where like the, the 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 huge jumps in animation quality that we've seen in the bosses kind of has like trickled down into regular enemies for these guys um the fact that they have two arms and also a head that you have to keep track of makes them kind of tactically interesting to uh to respond to and i feel like they mix them up in a uh, in a really satisfying way like i really really dig these guys as combat elements one thing that really annoys me about them, though, and it's not really present until you get to the upper level, the Dragon King Mausoleum, is the fact that their heads and many of their weapons just sort of ignore walls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing that drives me nuts about fighting these guys. But otherwise, I agree. I, I think that, like, they are really, I think that part of what you maybe are picking up on, Cole, the part I would I would agree with, like, the, the animation, the the tactical element of the extra head doesn't do too much for me, uh, just given, like, we have seen the Serpentman before, like, that's been a thing. The thing that they I were, do they were like... They so a, stiff before, though, like, these guys are really fluid. Yeah, they're, they're super, they're super fluid. Like, that, I guess, like, I don't disagree with you, but that didn't impress me that much. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, you're right, I just, I just didn't... Yeah, yeah, that's what I was laughing do it for at. me. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, um, the, uh, the part of it that I like is that they are, and I, I talked about this and I praised the series before for this is it's like an enemy difficulty that scales. Like these guys mm-hmm. are not, they're not the axulons from the DLC, right? Like even the big ones are fightable and the, the smaller ones will go down in a couple hits. The way that they scale up the difficulty, similar to what they did in the grand archives is through layout. Right. And, uh, this area is, is great at that where it's like, None of these guys are huge HP sponges. None of them have moves that are explicitly unfair. They're just going to come at you in configurations uh, and numbers that make them a challenge rather than just individually being like, oh, every time they hit you, they take 60% of your health. Right. You know, they, they, they're good fights because they're, you know, they're fair fights. You um, can parry most of, most of their attacks, too. Um, the only thing is that you can't backstab the, the large dragon. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Or the large serpent men, rather. 
but yeah. but everyone else can more or less be parried. So they're they're good they're good fair fights. Yep. Um, Brett and the the uh, <laughs> I, I I'm I'm real into these guys as well. Like I like them a lot too. Yep. Um, the uh, Those, mo- uh, mostly for that the gigantic ones with the uh, with the chain axes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's a gr- that's a really cool attack. Um, yeah. I like those guys a lot. Yeah. Um, on your way here, so you, and you're also you're not given a bonfire immediately when you get here. You have to kind of run through this little gauntlet, uh, which I like as a testing kind of space. Yes. Um, you know, you run up this this hill, uh, past a really useless shortcut, <laughs> and you um, and which I think probably used to be more useful, which we'll we'll talk about, uh, or possibly used to be more useful, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, you can pick up the uh, the ancient dragon great shield, uh, here. Which we learn, you know, the ancient dragons are ancestors of the of the man serpents here. Um, they talk about this being painted on. Um, the other thing that kind of muddies the waters to Cole's like lore question earlier is I think that there's something in the text of this. And I'll have to look it up real quick. That says that uh, this is a painting of a legend or something like that. What is the? Uh, there's something I remember reading this thing and thinking there was something in the text that made me think this was a historical record. Yeah, um, it, it was. So let me pull this up here. I've got it right here. The painting is a result of an exquisite but painstaking technique. Lingering, undying traces of the ancient dragons can still be seen in their descendants, the man serpents, though they have fallen far from Greece. Mm. So uh, the, uh, the the technique is what's there. Um, yeah. So it's per- portraying the uh, the ancient dragons that we only see remnants of in these uh, in these dragon beasts that run, you know, or the man serpents yeah. that walk around. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 kind of weird in that case if these are just um, descendants of the ancient dragons, which like it's kind of weird that we don't see any successful dragon warriors except for the uh, uh, you know the nameless king, mm-hmm. like and and possibly his his steed. You know, there's nobody here. If these are not people who, if these are not the people projecting from the yoga mats, like there's nobody <laughs> projecting from the yoga mats. The only person we run into is Hawkwood. That's like literally the only person on the same quest, which yeah. is also kind of like weird and unsatisfying to me. I have um, a possible explanation for that. But again, I, I I don't personally like it, but it's the only thing I could come up with. And mm-hmm. it relates once again to the yoga mats and how the there are three pairs of uh, of NPCs there, basically. So the best explanation I can come up with for that is that somehow Arch Dragon Peak only accepts contestants in pairs um, and that we are paired with Hawkwood. That's the, the oh, best interesting. explanation I could come up with. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, even though like, I, I'm sure if you kill Hawkwood, you can still, still come here and stuff, but oh, it's a, yeah, kind of a cool sure. idea. The, um, you know, or you were the pair of like, depending on who you believe, like depending on when, uh, when Ornstein showed up, uh, when we mm-hmm. will, we'll talk about that. Um, you know, if you're following him, but I, you know, I, I'm not totally sure. The um, you go kind of go through this gauntlet after the bonfire, and we're introduced to our first boss. There are two bosses in this area, <laughs> um, the ancient wyvern. Which is this uh, another one of like this? This game for the game in the series has a lot of gimmick bosses. Uh, mm-hmm. between uh, this and Yorm um, the, uh, and uh, Wolnir. Um, and this is one where I think that I think we all uh, can agree that like we missed the days when From would reward you for unusual like killing a boss in a hard or unusual way. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, you can totally just fight this guy. Um, and it's way harder than it needs to be. Um, it's a dragon fight which I 
there have only been a couple of those that have been really good um mm-hmm. but you don't get anything special for it for no. not taking the easy way out and same thing with like fighting yorm without using the storm ruler like i feel like you should get something for that like a tail weapon equivalent uh but it's just to prove you can do it you know mm-hmm. fight it, fighting ava invisibly any of those things you can do like i want i wish those things were rewarded yep. have either um, of you guys killed the ancient wyvern by hand no. um i i fought the uh the second one that shows up oh, i don't know okay. if it has the same that, boss, that one uh, has lower HBM defenses stuff. i think but even okay. still like i <laughs> earlier today before i before i went off uh to teach i went and i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna clear out all of the rock lizards and i'm gonna take care of this ancient wyvern by hand and then <laughs> i hit him two or three times and i was just like oh i don't have time for this it, <laughs> it's so it's real tedious like it's not it's a good really fight. tedious yeah and and uh, it's because they don't want you to they want they're doing uh kind of like kind of a new spin on the the from software you know uh bed of chaos executioner's chariot dragon god boss thing you know which i i, I like these uh these kind of these kind of uh, twist on this where you just you run this gauntlet mm-hmm. um, there's a huge path uh, full of serpent men giant serpent men and everything you run to get a better position on the ancient wyvern to get up to the uh, the kind of scaffolding above him and uh, I didn't know that I needed to do like this is also a thing where I probably wouldn't have intuited that he would die in one shit or one shit tell us what you really think Gary yeah, I just, like, I'm sick. Leave me alone. I'm going to die in one, uh, one drop attack. Um, but I, I, there were just soapstone messages. So someone just said, you know, go left. And I was like, all right. Like, mm-hmm. oh, shit. Like, I can go left. And then it said, need drop attack. And I'm like, oh, okay. He's probably just telling me a way to do a lot of damage. And then when his health bar just absolutely drained, I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, when you're that, playing, that's it then. When you're playing offline, you actually find that uh, it's not just the messages that are up on that platform. Like, there's messages throughout the entire boss room that yeah. basically say "try plunging attack." So there's developer messages. Yeah, so, so it's it's an interesting sort of because what I was thinking earlier when you were talking about how you know you might have missed this area were it not for Allison um, uh, letting you know about it. Uh, it's really easy to miss this area if you're playing offline. But once you're in the actual area, you benefit from, you know, not being online because the developer messages are much more prominent. So yeah, <laughs> I yeah. thought that was kind of funny. There's not a lot of uh, not a lot of chaff, or you yeah, use yeah, guidance exactly. or something like that to get to get all of them. But it's kind of it kind of undercuts it to me that like the developer just tells you what to do um, because it, it ends, it's the easiest of all of the gimmick bosses. Yeah, um, mm. I think this this little run is is really really easy, and like. It has this kind of a thesis for both the bosses here where, like, I think they're cool from a painted on the side of a van perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, running up to the scaffolding (laughs) and doing the drop attack on the dragon feels very cool for, like, visually. Like, a God of War cutscene might feel cool. Yeah, exactly. It feels like something that would have been a cutscene anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in in a worse game, but it's still, like, I'm not doing very much. Like, it just didn't engage me you know very well and like that's that's not true of the nameless king the nameless king like you have to play very well to beat him mm-hmm. um but this part where it's like oh this looks really neat but i don't i don't think what i'm actually doing here is very cool um it's kind of interesting you literally get his head like you get the dragon headstone the shimmering one <laughs> or shining one uh out sparkling twinkling twinkling um yeah. twinkling uh dragon headstone after no, you No, it's just uh, it's just the plain one actually is it? Oh, oh okay. Oh, you yeah. get the, the twinkling reg- one yeah. from uh, from what's his name Hawkwood. Yeah, there we go. Yes, and it's the regular torso you get from 
the uh, the, the dragonkin's corpse uh, on the thank yoga you. mats. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, thank you. Uh, but you you literally get a head from from cutting off his head, which I kind of <laughs> like. But mechanically, it didn't like it was a real big letdown. Like I was like, yeah. oh, that's that's the boss. No, um, and, and and like so, the the main arena here is like right on a uh, like a crossroads kind of thing too. Like one of which is a dead end. You go down there, get the st- the steel stone plate ring. Uh, gonna die there probably um, if you don't uh, work your, your work your way around him. And there are a couple of kind of like little blind alleys or diverticula on the way up to like the like like the main place. I I eventually figured out where I was supposed to run. But it's impossible for me to resist the urge to Monday morning quarterback this insofar as <laughs> I wish that there was something motivating me along the lines. The, the the arc for this that would have really satisfied me is being chased and being at a disadvantage until it literally corners me into a situation where all I can do is make the death blow. Mm. Like that like would you be... Like getting chased by it. Yeah. Yeah. And so... <laughs> and so figuring it out and also the fact that it takes him down in one hit as opposed to like substantially weakening him um it really is something that feels like it should be it has all of the uh all of the pomp and circumstance of this huge triumphal battle like oh i killed the dragon in one shot but like that is so not what my reward sensors or synapses are 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 kind of like looking for at this point with this series i really liked it the first time around um, and ever every time since then, it's just been kind of a chore. Like, oh no, I got to run through it. And I, in in the lead up to today, I, I wanted to try doing it a couple of different times. Like I mentioned, I tried doing it with melee, uh, and then what I did was I just used uh, put myself in a red tier cell mode, put on the hawk ring, and then just killed it with the bow from uh, <laughs> above the platform where you're supposed to do the plunging attack. But but yeah, there's really not a whole lot of reason to not run through it, and then just go back to the previous bonfire and then loot the entire place after you've killed the boss. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, yeah, I, I really liked it at first, but I think it just it just comes down to you can't really do a gimmick boss in a way that's fun after the first three or four times doing it, at least in my view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I managed to still, I mean, this is again... I'm going to stop apologizing for sounding like a parody of myself and just live my live my best truth. The um, I I still find Executioner's Chariot really fun. Oh yeah, I like that. I think that boss is tense <laughs> and cool. Like every time I do it, um, well, to my mind, that is the most dodge most the wheels. Successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like rolling through the wheels is really satisfying. Like <laughs> I'm always by the time I get to it, I'm always barely kind of making it. You know, like my stats are just balanced. So the way you can do these kind of easy fights, because the the fight against the actual chariot is not that hard. Um, is just to make there be a sense of danger, but I've never felt in danger during this uh, this boss yeah. fight. I've actually had one one of the biggest an- sorry, well, I'll, one of the <laughs> biggest anticlimaxes. I don't know if you've done this before. My second time through, I missed the drop attack. He like oh, weird yep, off. that happened to me. And twice then you oh. just run through the thing. It's so stupid. It's <laughs> yep. so anticlimactic. It happened like, well, to me four times today. <laughs> yep, happened four twice to times. me. Four times. <laughs> yeah. it's like you have to yeah. attack much sooner <sighs> than you would think. Um. What a let down! Like what, it is what a, so, it is so frustrating. Like if if he's he's in like a particular spot in his animation, but I don't know what that spot is. You just sort yeah. of fall right through. Yeah. You click through him. It's it ridiculous. looks so bad. Like it's just like ugh. And and think about how like how fraught this is too, because that the <laughs> you probably did that because there were messages saying, "Hey, try plunging attack, try dropping, try etc. Cetera, etc." Cetera. Are people just fucking with me? So I guess that's <laughs> yeah. not the way that you do it. Like maybe this is the path that you take if you do a, if you want to do range attack. But I guess I'm going to just have to fucking fight this thing from the ground now, all yeah. because of an animation glitch. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. you think that you can't. Yeah, that people are just like this was only my my first time. It worked fine. The second yeah, time, yeah. Was actually, this this happened, so I knew that I could do it. It just meant I had to like. And imagine like this isn't an RP server, but imagine your character just being like, "Well, gotta <laughs> gotta run through that area again." Like it's so like. <laughs> the opposite of the moment of triumph it's trying to get you to, to do and like it's a glitch there are technical things where you kind of will clip through the guy i i'm generally pretty forgiving of glitches yeah. it's just it's it's just showing that this very triumphant moment that they're trying to give you is really held together like with you know string cheese and and aluminum foil <laughs> like it is just barely holding together as a, as a thing and then that teleport which is like in any other game, this would be my least favorite teleport that happens in the game. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just because for, you know, just this, I'm sure you guys both have this impulse where it's like, oh, I guess I have to trek back down there and just run through it again to get my mm-hmm. treasure. Like, why why that teleport? Who's, you know, the previous teleport, which I, I don't like, we talked about that a lot. Um, at the very least, like, I, there's somebody who's doing that, right? Like that yeah. is, There's someone, sorry, Gary, who, uh, there's someone doing this one as well. The uh, The Serpent Summoner. Oh, I guess that that's probably true. As, uh, as soon as the the loading screen ends, you hear the sound of the bell, and then we we sort of you know rise up. But they also that's when they summon someone else, though, because when I come in, there's always a summon. So I thought that bell was them summoning. Well, there the there are two different bells. So so the one bell when you are summoned there, and then the second bell doesn't ring until you actually enter the mausoleum. Hmm. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Good. Good catch. I I didn't catch that. Why? It's kind of weird that the serpent summoner would would bring you here. Like, I guess that, that does make, I mean, that, that definitely answers the question as far as like what's happening. Kind like of, in, if, if you're looking at it from the trials perspective, that this place is just a series of trials to see if you're worthy of walking the path of the dragon. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, p- no, like, pitting you against other people. Like one of them is explicitly a Drake blood knight that they yeah. bring in, you know? Um, the, um, it's just kind of from a, from a perspective of like, I'm going to want to go get all those treasures I missed because I, you know, had a sense of tension that, you know, maybe was was not actually presented to me. Like, I'm going to run through here, even though I could slowly methodically clear this because the dragon will just wait forever. Um, mm-hmm. I actually didn't do that. I, I ran through it like my life depended on it, even though it didn't. Now I have to backtrack <laughs> to, like, go get the shiny treasures and stuff. Yeah. Or use kind the, of the, the elevator to go back down to the first floor uh, from the yeah. mausoleum. Yeah. Well, the, the first floor puts you way back at the very beginning of the area. Like it's it's way easier just to teleport back to the second bonfire, yeah. Even because that that elevator does almost nothing. I mean, it like um, puts which, you right around the corner from the bonfire. Like, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they exactly. It's the it just doesn't. Uh, you can teleport through the bonfire or take the elevator. Yep. You have a, an option for some reason, which makes <laughs> you think that elevator is a holdover from perhaps you know prior to teleporting bonfires. Yeah, and yep. that makes me think that you know maybe if this was a Dreamlands area, maybe you weren't supposed to be able to teleport in bonfires here. Mm. You know, like maybe you could throughout the whole game, but this was supposed to be a separate like like the painted world, like you're trapped here until until you finish it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably, at least in my opinion, more likely a vestige of when uh, I think Vati mentioned in uh, the episode on the Untended Graves, the yeah, the pre-release bonfire mechanic. I think you guys mentioned at the beginning of the season as well. Yeah, that Mm. we were supposed to be able to create our own bonfires. Um and, you know, uh, the mechanics of how that would work, I, I, I'm not really sure, but presumably we would get a coiled sword similar to how we got one for defeating uh, Udex Gunder at the beginning of the game. Um, and then presumably we'd be able to, you know, just sort of plant it anywhere we want. So the image I have in my mind is 
you know, maybe the best place to to create a bonfire is right by the elevator. So then that way, you know, you go, you fight the boss. Uh, and then, you know, if you're teleported back up here and you find the elevator, you go, yes, that's right by where I put the bonfire. So mm. and and I think that that is just more generally in the game, the source of a lot of the issues with, you know, a lot of people have a problem with how the bonfires are laid out. And it seems to me that, you know, at some point in late in development, they decided for whatever reason, this just isn't working. So what they did was they combined the approaches from several different games. So there's the Bloodborne slash Demon Souls mechanic, which was never in a Dark Souls game previously, of this boss is dead, you get a bonfire. Um, or you get a checkpoint. And then there's the, uh, which actually doesn't apply in this area, which is interesting. There's the Chalice Dungeon system of, you know, when you warp there, the beginning of a new area, you have a chamber of a seal, a guaranteed lamp or bonfire. Um, and and then there was just this, so so they sort of just mashed all of these different approaches together in a way that doesn't really work as an alternative of to having this this mechanic that they thought was a great idea but for whatever reason whether it be time or just you know it was too glitchy they, they couldn't figure out how to make it balance properly uh that they took it out and i think that that elevator is basically the embodiment of the issues that arise out of that because it's more or less pointless yeah yeah i would i would buy that i think i think you're probably right um, and there, I mean, it's not the first one that we've seen, like there, we've run into several like, uh, elevators or shortcuts, shortcuts that like, you know, it always feels good to get a shortcut. There is a Pavlovian like, oh yeah, shortcut. <laughs> you know, no matter what, regardless of how actually useful it is. And the, there's definitely kind of a, a dearth of like very useful shortcuts in <laughs> Dark Souls three. Um, even though like, you know, the level design is really great. Like it's very dense and, and does a lot of the things I really like in level design, the kind of shortcut factor other than a couple levels is not cathedral, perfect. of the deep and the, uh, the settlement. grand archives are two like excellent yeah. examples yeah. of, of yeah. shortcuts yeah. being used. Well, yeah, th th those felt like almost that they were designed specifically around that idea more so yeah. than anything else. And probably yeah. designed by a different team as well, which is interesting. That's, that's the thing is like, because of what we know about, I mean, whenever a souls game comes out, I want that, uh, that design works book just for that interview where they talk about mm -hmm. kind of what made it, but what little, you know, I've been able to find about this being made by like distinctly separate teams really makes sense. You know, I'm mm -hmm. um, like, Oh, that's why demon ruins, you know, like that's <laughs> like, let's put, this, put the C team on it. Like, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So you were going to say something a, a while back. Well, I feel like I interrupted you. I, I apologize. Oh yeah. So I've got uh, j j just one thing we were talking about the, uh, about the gimmick bosses. I just wanted to make sure that I threw in my hat on that one. A gimmick boss. I think that was done really well is a uh, ceaseless discharge. Actually, even oh, though yeah. I know the trick, oh, that yeah. one well, always, yeah. always stays pretty tense. That's kind of the only dark souls one reference we've made so far in this. I wanted to make sure we were equal opportunity. <laughs> so yeah, it's also it's one where less you can... of a gimmick boss though, than it, it's a, it, it is a regular boss that has a gimmick that uh, mm -hmm. e even the the knowing it doesn't take any of the punch out of the fight. It just gives it a much more pointed goal. Yeah, and adds it's, a it's, lot of emotional resonance as well. I think. Yeah, 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 it's it's fantastic. That's that's up there with one of my all time favorite like Dark Souls one mm -hmm. moments is stumbling across that because yeah. that's something I managed to not have spoiled for me and just like naturally ran to find a better place to fight him. <laughs> got to the wall, <laughs> thought, oh fuck, and then turned around to find my boss like hanging you know for dear life and having the tables turned was a, an amazing amazing moment mm -hmm. um I so it's really something <laughs> like dark souls the series is kind of like one for two for gimmick bosses <laughs> you know like they're not all they can't all be as shitty as better chaos but there's a few of them that are good um but people kind of generally don't like them i don't think they're all failures so i'm glad that, that you brought that one up for sure 
Um, yeah, so so we we talked about getting teleported here. I think you're right, Callum, that we do get teleported by the the summoner, which is interesting because if she's not um, summoning uh, people, like if those aren't like phantoms or something like that, those are actually characters she's summoning in. If she can bodily pull you from mm-hmm. from an area, what does that mean? With because then we can definitely have two Havels hanging out. Like, cause she can, uh, like, I think 10% of the time she summons 90% of the time she summons a Drake flood Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys are the guys who were, uh, kind of obsessed with sin, worshiping the blood of dragons who hung out, uh, down in, um, the, uh, boy, what's Shulva, that? Era? Shulva, something city. Shulva, yeah. Um, but 10% of the time she summons Havel, um, or someone dressed up as Havel. Um, there's another mm-hmm. person dressed up as Havel as well here, and they can both exist. Like she's not summoning the Havel from up on the roof. She does uh, appear to be in the sense that if you kill that Havel and you haven't killed the Phantom Havel, the Phantom Havel will no longer spawn. Yeah, but you can uh, Phantom Havel can be hanging out down here. You can run away from him and then go see Second Havel. Oh god, <laughs> um, upstairs. It's like Night Night Slayer Sorig. Yeah, <laughs> you, 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 you can make him fight himself in the Demon that, Ruins, and he sucks at fighting himself. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be amazing if you could. I've never uh, tested the leash, but I wonder if you can bring. Summoned Havel up to fight Havel Prime upstairs, oh, and like just that is a great dual, idea. Havels. <laughs> what yeah. happens when an immovable object fights an immovable object? Exactly. They would probably. I'm, my guess would probably that they'd be coded as allies and not as enemies. Yeah. But <laughs> if you could rapport those fuckers, though, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be that's um, a great idea. I might actually yeah. test that. Even oh still. gosh. Oh man. Invade somebody and then uh, just use a Sea of the Tree of of uh, Giants. To, to oh sure. Two. Two of them. Just like double Havels, and then yep. you dress up as Havel, and then yep. all three of you guys like yep. triple Havel action. Yeah, Havel it up. Oh, I'm, I'm way into that. Um, <laughs> so, so the summoner, as we we mentioned, she's summoning uh, Drake Blood Knights. Uh, she's summoning Havels. Um, I understand this Drake Blood Knight place is a place where people farm for XP, uh, farm for souls. It's. Uh, uh, I found it. I find it really easy to kick them off ledges here. Yeah. Yeah. And they're very susceptible to backstabs. Um, the the Drake Blood Knights fight very defensively. Like they use their shield an awful lot. Um, Havel fights like Havel. stamina, pretty much. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you guys ever get a uh, a Ricard here, or is Ricard specifically in the next one? I'm pretty sure he's specific Ricard, to the next one. Yeah, okay. he's exclusive in the to same this way the Havel one. is to this one. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, um, I, I I really like the design on these summoners, though. Um, just the, like the, the fact that they are not like hiding out, they're just kind of like, Hey, look at me. I'm wearing this colorful clothing. Like they, they, they cut a very, they almost look like the, like the serpentine, um, uh, kind of, uh, oh gosh, equivalents of the evangelists a little oh, bit. Sure. Yeah. Uh, good, yeah. good fights, good design. I like this mausoleum too. Like the, the amount of like visual clutter around here actually kind of works for me with like the, uh, the different people, the, the bodies that are kind of desiccated, desiccated and their, uh, and their meditation, uh, poses the, uh, the vessels that are around here, the, uh, the sensors look really cool. And also, Hey, a gigantic dragon, a, a gigantic petrified dragon in the middle of this room. It, it's gorgeous. Mm, yeah. Like this area looks really, really neat. All the incense, like sensors and the like, like this is a, a, the detail here looks really lived in and uh, of a place Mm -hmm. um, in a way that video game levels don't always look. Um, This is, this is so, so cool. And it's the clutter makes sense to me uh, here um, as a, as a place where like people, you know, possibly meditated until they'd starve to death. (laughs) You know, if if that's Mm -hmm. what happened to some of these, uh, these statues and corpses here. Um, 
Yeah, the, yeah. the can we talk about the summoner for a second? I, I, I have a few observations. I don't know if it actually mean, oh, any of this yeah. stuff means anything once again sort of the phrase of the episode for me <laughs> um but it has uh like a staff that i believe we can get i can't remember what it's called but uh, the staff actually doubles as the bell right. so when you when you see them actually ringing the bell they sort of shake the staff and they also have sort of a mobility device that um and when when you get to a certain distance, and they also have a whip as well, but when you're, you're a certain distance away from them, they sort of use their staff to drag themselves towards you. Mm. Um, and the other strange thing that I, just in thinking back to the uh, the variety of the Serpent Men in Dark Souls 1. In Dark Souls 1, there was just the Serpent Man with the great sword, and then there were the the Serpent Casters that casted lightning specifically but these the the serpent men summoners actually have uh sort of a uh pursuers spell but instead of it being black with uh sort of a dark dark light bluish outline it's black with a yellow outline so Mm -hmm. again i don't know if that means anything but it's it's curious that in dark souls one they would have been using Lightning, which, you know, is said throughout this game to sort of be uh, and, you know, going back to the intro for Dark Souls one was, you know, the the way to kill the everlasting dragons. Um, And then in this game, they're yeah not using lightning, which is what leads me to believe that they're sort of serving the dragons as opposed to, you know, trying to become dragons themselves. But again, I don't really know. (laughs) Yeah, the 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 weapon that they can get this uh, mendicant staff. Um, which apparently that's not it's not it's not supposed to be a bell on it. So it's a, a staff with a small bowl attached to the tip, uh, oh. similar to a, a mendicant's crook. Absorb additional souls from fallen foes. The staff's history is unclear. It may be a relic of an ancient serpent's greed or a ritual artifact used to summon souls. So does um, that mean that the summoner is kind of like a Fight Club host who's wearing like, <laughs> <laughs> wearing all this the the you know uh, more souls earned gear just you know. <laughs> It's a, there's actually a line here that says also known as uh, damn no HTML. So I, I think it is supposed to be a Fight Club host. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if you know that guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it is a. It's interesting too. Uh, this is um, a weird kind of example or turning not turning point, but an example in uh, the language of the item descriptions, because we've used that before to be um, as kind of as close to uh, objective truth as we can get. But hmm. it's really not if this is, you know, the staff's history is unclear. It may be a relic of an ancient serpent's greed or a ritual to artif- ritual artifact used to summon souls. Um, <laughs> we see one of those in action. Like, mm-hmm. it is, uh, and it, it actually does function. You get more souls if you uh, if you use it as an item, but it does, like, we literally know that it is a ritual artifact used to summon souls. Like, that's what the enemy uses it for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That so. kind of uncertainty <laughs> in the, the, the phrasing there is a little bit interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why it's calling doubt onto something that is easily observable honestly yeah. unless it's trying to have some kind of dr- dramatic irony where it's like oh some say the you know leg- legend holds that you know the one one who holds this can do so and so like and then you see it like ah yes but you would not you don't get this item until after you kill the thing that did the thing yeah um, yeah it's it, it's it's kind of strange and it's a little bit it's it's a little bit off-putting to me specifically because it is it, it is so vague without 
without having any any kind of payoff on the side of it like it's not connecting to something where it you know this fills in a missing piece somewhere else um and it's definitely not doing something like we saw in previous entries where like if they if they wanted to kind of shuck and drive with it they could have uh they could have like put in a joke with this or said something kind of uh kind of cheeky with it but yeah they, but they didn't do that yeah it's got a tone that is not you know is not usual right for those things i feel like um the um the the dragon in the middle of this um the kind of petrified dragon if you do the path of the dragon gesture in front of it uh, like the two statues are you get the calamity ring um which we remember from uh from dark souls 1 as the ring you get from calamite um that makes you take additional damage um it is just a challenge mode ring and this is the item description that explicitly calls out this order of of dragon knights as like a, an ancient warriors yeah. uh here where it says uh, it kind of feels like a, it's one of those things where it feels like an item description or a person is talking to players mm-hmm. of the game as well. It happens all the time in the DLC um, where it's like, you know, this is an additional challenge for some people who find this to be a holy quest <laughs> or something like that. Yes, like, a, like this is like some people find this to be their purpose. Yes. Uh, so it's, it's a subtweet to Lobos Jr. Like the <laughs> yeah. item description form. I was literally about to bring up Lobos Jr. <laughs> 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 I was the first person that popped in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, but it's also a, worth mentioning, perhaps in light of the DLC, that uh, it doesn't describe Calamite as the Abyss Dragon. The Abyss Dragon mentioned in one of the DLC item descriptions appears to be a different dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, yeah. that was the first pot, uh, thought that popped into my mind when I, I picked up that item in the DLC was, oh, Abyss Dragon. Is that referring to Calamite? But no, yeah. it, it just calls him a Calamitous Dragon. Yeah. So it, and a Calamitous Dragon seems to have a more direct connection to Calamite. Yeah. To me, I mean, it could it could be in bo- be referring to both, but that just frustrates me because then it ties the uh, the Axialons from the DLC to the Arch Dragon Peak <laughs> somehow, <laughs> and like no, <laughs> too many connections. Fucking stop it! Um, <laughs> so I, I I prefer to think of this as Calamite. The Abyss Dragon is a cool new thing we're going to fight at the end of. That's going to be the optional boss for the second DLC. Um, I hope I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I will. Well, I will fight an Abyssal Dragon. When going through the boss room and finding the, uh, I think it's the ring of steel protection that's in the boss room. Yep. And it's uh, like Night King Rendell. I'm like, no, like that's, <laughs> yeah. no, no, there's no need to bring him into that because then it yeah. almost like implies sort of that the area we're in is sort of Sen's torture, Sen's statue storage emporium or whatever and i'm just like no that's yeah. that's too many connections Some, the, an, an alternate theory for the nameless king is that they are also sen yeah <laughs> it's not even alternate like uh, it could still be sen yep you know like it, it it's yeah. pretty pretty contained like i'm like i don't know at this point yeah i guess <laughs> like I, I you know I, I don't feel too strongly about that one way there's or another, nothing in the rules be, that says it couldn't be sen yeah that's that that's true you couldn't couldn't be a yeah the um do we have anything <laughs> else to say about this area before we uh we had head on out not in particular i I think that this is a very it is an it's an instance of visual clutter done well yeah yeah i think i think so too which is not always my favorite thing but this actually really works for me um there's one little bit of foreshadowing here too where there's a gate uh locked gate and we can get the item on the other side of it Mm -hmm. uh, which is the dragon slayer spear which was ornstein's spear which is our first uh kind of hint uh that ornstein is going to be at play here and kind of what's going on do you think we're supposed to be able to get it through the fence? <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that we are, but it's it's there. Hasn't been yeah, fixed. 
It's kind of, no? yeah, it hasn't no? been patched out and I kind of like it as a foreshadowing thing. Mm-hmm. It didn't play this way for me, but I can imagine a sequencing of this area that is like, oh shit, like what is going on? Like, a, you know, if maybe if I was less jaded by the time I got here being, you know, for the, the people who are just like, yes, close every single loop. I want to know what happened to every character from Dark Souls 1, like probably <laughs> is delighted by finding that and being like, oh, I'm going to find out what happened to Ornstein. You know? <laughs> we know what happened to Ornstein. <laughs> like, it's yeah, in the, I game, just, the game doesn't want you to know about. Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, but, I, I, yeah, it, was, it didn't work for me, but I, I, you know, I kind of like it as a, a foreshadowing thing. What, what were we going to say, Callum? Oh, just uh, by way of a counterexample, there are several untextured, <laughs> untextured uh, parts of the geography in this area that still haven't been fixed. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, that's totally true. There's that huge pile of just like spasm out in the <laughs> oh, very in the beginning of it where there's like all those rocks and there's just a big made... pile of cream. Like it looks like someone spilled <laughs> a bunch of like vanilla pudding in the middle of Arch Dragon Peak. <laughs> there's a really funny note next to one of next to those rocks when I was going through the area again. It says, could this be a slip up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded it's, it's... me of in, in uh, Farron Keep in the swamp area there's that one wall that's an illusory wall but it really isn't mm-hmm. yeah. and uh i left the message that said illusory wall ahead but visions of bug <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think my highest rated message <laughs> the, the, it reminds me because there's with those uh those textures and stuff um because it's one of those things where when people kind of feel like it is very fun to talk about everything that's in these games as if no mistakes are possible you know, so like we run into things. Um, I can't remember which video it is. Um, one of them was made a really big deal about the reflection in the water in Champion Gundir's arena uh, and wow. the skybox it reflected. And I'm like, yes, that could mean something about the cosmology of where Untended Graves is. That could also just be, you know, we know they take place in the same place kind of geographically. That could just literally be a bit of code that was reused for this area like everything else was used. You know, yeah, like they're, also they're, in terms like, of the games, like the Untended Graves Firelink and our Firelink are basically coded the same. So like yeah. if you don't pick up the Silver Serpent Ring your first time uh, at Firelink and then you go to the Untended Graves, it's the same ring that's there. Yeah, you can you so, can pick it up anytime it's there. So like, And you're never even meant to, to get to that spot. So it could just, you know, it's more likely than not just a coding shortcut, really. Exactly. So, so when people will do these kind of like big long lore theories that are predicated on ideas like that without introducing the allowing for the possibility that it's just like a coding error, you know? And it's like, Oh, like there's, there's the big pile of vanilla ice cream in like the middle of dry Arshang beach. There's another, <laughs> there's like a pool um, in Lothric castle where you fall down to a shortcut and there's like a perfectly rectangular, uh, like untextured, like shiny spot that looks like you're playing in like a homemade Tony Hawk level. Um, <laughs> it's like, or like a, you know, build a park. Uh, Tony Hawk level and it's just like so it doesn't again I give a lot of glitches don't bother me that much like video games take oh my immersion like video games are are hard like I don't blame from for this I just think that like when you have to allow for a mistake when you're kind of doing your your conjecturing uh, Mm -hmm. you know some things are some of these things can be mistakes Um, you know I don't think I haven't read a a lore theory that has to do with an untextured spot like maybe it's you know (laughs) the PC's mind not filling in the gaps of like (laughs) <laughs> you know of of their projection but yeah i don't know um, um just just briefly sorry because i i got us on a tangent there but uh just one more thing before we move on and that is uh in terms of foreshadowing before we enter the um 
before we enter the boss room for the ancient wyvern, uh, we also find the lightning clutch ring, mm. which mentions that uh, the uh, Arch Dragon Peak. Uh, I can't recall exactly how it was worded, but it but it essentially mentions that it it acts as a lure for for crestfallen warriors. Uh, so yeah. Oh yeah. I think that yeah, was a little the, neat piece of uh, foreshadowing there. Mm. Absolutely. Like, it's foreshadowing uh, ludically because it's like, hey, put on this ring, idiot. You're going <laughs> to fight a lot of lightning. Yeah. And then, two, uh, just as, like, who we're going to run into here. So that's really cool. That's like a mm. good, good catch. Yeah. Um, we head out uh, back from the mausoleum, and we're introduced to these uh, rock lizard enemies, <laughs> which uh, I love these guys. Did you, <laughs> They're super um, cute. Yeah. They are well, super they, cute. I, I plug his videos a lot. Um, Callum, do you know uh, Zoe Koikum? I have uh, not heard guy's... the name, no. He's, so he's... Oh, yes, uh, the, the, the things you didn't know or whatever. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I've never heard the name actually spoken, so... <laughs> I, I don't know confusion. if I'm pronouncing it right, either. I, I think that, you know, I'm fairly certain, like, English is not his first language. Um, hmm. He never talks in his videos, but, like, there's a... For a while, there was a glut of like the things you didn't notice videos, and I would watch them. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, I know all this stuff because I do do this for a living. And then, but he like legitimately finds stuff I nobody else is finding like pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are weird glitches, um, but he finds things like I didn't know that you could kick these guys and turn them into like little roly poly bugs. And it's mm-hmm. the cutest thing in the world, and it's the best strategy to deal with them. Yep. Is I discovered them off that ledges. for the first time uh, again while preparing that preparing for this episode. The only caveat is that if you can't perfectly execute one kick after another, then you quickly <laughs> get in trouble. Yep, but yes. it's adorable how they roll backwards twice, and it's just like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> uh, what's amazing about these guys? Um, I love the way that they're laid out because they're almost always set up to kind of like catch you in the crossfire. So they they, <laughs> they, they show you the one right away, but there, there's another one that comes off from the side, and then right beyond that, there's three, and then there's four, and they're pretty <laughs> much always at like you can underestimate them because of their cuteness and because of the goofy way in which they they move around. Um, the way they uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they breathe fire, right? Yeah, they're yep. basically the uh, the dinosaurs from Chocolate Island in um, Super Mario World. Oh sure, <laughs> yeah. like the not the like the not the Resners, but the like the miniature Resners. Right, right, yeah. Um, but um, but no, like if, if you underestimate them and if you just try and run past them, I died a couple times today, like getting caught in the intersection of these guys mm-hmm. as they were kind of bone wheeling me. Hmm. Yeah, they really are. Like, because the bone wheels in this game are pretty much insane with Dark Souls too. Nothing compared to the Dark Souls one bone wheels. These right. guys are the true bone wheels of Dark Souls three. <laughs> yeah, and the, like, there's going to be a DLC where it's all bone wheels, the Sonic the Hedgehogs from Ilium Voice, <laughs> oh, no, um, and then oh, these guys no. and just uh, yeah. convoy. It'll be a we crossover with convoy. that indie game, Rollers of the Realm. Yeah. No. Um. The uh, I like I like these guys a lot, and they're also cute, and I would like a plush of them. <laughs> and Dark Souls, rather than uh, doing all your merchandise and making shirts that no one would ever wear in a million years, <laughs> give me some plush. Like, give me a plush mimic. Give me a plush yeah. one of these things. <laughs> give me a plush crystal lizard. Like, I will give you all of my money for that shit. <laughs> like, lean into the cute, not into the like. You know, people say I'm gaming too much, but they just need to Dark Souls here. Get good. <laughs> they, you know, they just need to Dark oh. Souls here. <laughs> like, the shirts have to end uh, I do think it's interesting how they've sort of because these guys seem to be crystal lizards right yeah yeah I, uh, I was thinking that too the, the, the resemblance is like definitely intentional 
Hmm. And and so it's just interesting that like uh, you know in Dark Souls one there were just the crystal lizards and Dark Souls two they had the blue ones and the red ones that were the troll ones that exploded once you got close to them, <laughs> which were basically kind of pointless because as soon as you knew that the red ones were no good because obviously they're col- colored red, then you just <laughs> avoid them from then on. But mm-hmm. but I like how they really expanded, you know, like the 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 ones that give you the dragon or the the um, what do you call it? the titanite skills that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're said to be crystal lizards who feasted on souls. And and I, I don't know if there's an equivalent explanation for these ones, but I thought it was kind of cool that they would develop this, you know, crystal lizard in these different directions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also should be noted kind of a, as a general thing. Um, and this is what this area has in uh, common with the dragon area um, is that this is where you go to get tons and tons of Titanite. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. This is Chunk City, um, and not <laughs> the Chunk City that I have an account for online. Right? <laughs> like it's all all number one, number one Chunk girls, twenty four seven. The um, but this this is like Titanite Titanite Town, yeah, USA. Like, like you will pick up stacks of three <laughs> Twinkling Titanite. Like it is crazy. Yeah, as well and as it, the it, means to buy basically infinite upgrade materials. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Like yeah, this is. This is where you can you can start making whatever weapon you want. And like that kind of plays into the that on one hand, it's like it's so late in the game that, you know, for PvE it's not very useful. For an area that is the PV uh, E extension of a PvP kind of concept, it makes total sense. Like, yeah. hey, you've proven yourself as a warrior. Now you can make whatever build you want. Go do a bunch of PvP. Mm-hmm. Like go do a bunch of fight clubs because you're a dragon now. <laughs> you know, like in in the literal sense that you can turn into one, but also in kind of the gameplay sense, like you are a warrior. Like when I kind of put that together, it really works for me as a, as an area that like loads you up on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, so you get attacked by another wyvern uh, on this path that is just full of these little rock cuties. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm gonna call them that for now on rock yeah. cuties. I like that. It, it it's a real it's a gauntlet like they these cuties don't fuck around man <laughs> they, they they will uh this is this is a really really hard little run up um i i fought the the lizard once because i try to kill everything at least once in dark souls um but most times i'm running through this i just run through and it's a hard run mm-hmm. yeah because i don't know what they're weak to but they take a lot of hits they yeah. really yeah. are damage sponges at least any time i've ever fought them so yeah i just try to kick them off the edge more often than not yeah well and that the, the ancient wyvern pops up <laughs> you know to like you know you can't fight it's fight really a a devious yeah yep yeah it's because they it, know that you'll start to run too and then you run and you're basically face to face with another ancient wyvern and it's like oh <laughs> shit from soft come <laughs> on yep yeah. yeah and uh running away from this uh the ancient wyvern is going to be how you get into those crazy intersections of the uh of the rock rock cuties yeah yeah yep, yep. um <laughs> There's a little room up at the top of here. This is where, and this is, I'm already running. So it's like, I don't want to stop and fight because I'm being chased by rock cuties. <laughs> so like, there's this like little, like this area I've run through mostly. Uh, but when you stop here, there's, it's pretty interesting because this is where there's another uh, serpent summoner. Um, and this person summons a naked fencer who has Ricard's weapons and stuff. <laughs> Ricard, another sense fortress connection. Yep. Um, if this is indeed sense fortress related, uh, but our record wore clothes <laughs> um, I can't think of a reason why this person would be naked unless he's trying to turn into a dragon, which is not. Oh no, it's a, it's another Logan thing. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's naked for dragon reasons, some way, shape, or form. <laughs> but that's a weird thing for Ricard to be doing because, like, my understanding of Rick, like the reason why Sen's Fortress kind of made sense before is we had like warriors from all over the land, 
mm-hmm. uh, coming to Sense Fortress, but Sense Fortress was positioned specifically as the testing grounds before in Orlando. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was to get to. It wasn't a goal in and of itself. It was a stumbling block on the way to a goal that was not proving yourself as a warrior. That was not had anything to do with dragons. It was getting to the city of the gods. You know, so like it made sense for for everyone to kind of be going to to Sense Fortress and getting trapped there and dying or getting you know barely making it in the case of uh, uh, what's his head Tark, mm-hmm. um, Tarkus. But uh, this yeah this this is a little bit weirder to me, like that he's here. It feels like he, if this is Sense Fortress relation, like I wonder why what's going on. He also doesn't appear to be fully naked. Uh, I think he's wearing. Um, uh, Cornix's wraps, so that it, like the gauntlets are Cornix's, and he also seems to be wearing um, Volner's crown. Yeah, he's wearing a crown, which uh, lends to him being Prince Reichert because princes wear crowns. Yeah, Even if it's, so it's I was wondering, crown, like, which is like, man, why? <laughs> Is it is it that they were just like, hey, we need a crown so that it's more obvious that this is Prince Rickard, or um, are we supposed to draw some sort of connection to Volner? It's the the connection to Volner. I think is beyond the pale. Um, yeah. Like I, mm. I, I will not entertain that as a possibility. <laughs> it's also possible that this is a joke. Like the fact that a a naked fencer comes in and tries to you know stab you and stuff because like the nudity you know it's kind of an easy joke. But, you know, so the summoners, they summon souls. It's not uh, explicitly like spirits or something like that. Presumably those Drake Blood Knights are also trying to become dragons. If Rickard is naked because he's trying to become a dragon, Havel would be, you know, well, maybe not Havel because like we wouldn't recognize him as such. But the Drake Blood Knights could arguably be nude as well. Um, this could also just be a goofy joke. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not a very it's not a very jokey area, but like it's like a Maddie Mildred type thing. Totally, exactly. Like when when this first happened to me, I was like, oh, you know, you got to be kidding me! Like this is all right. I'll fight a naked fencer, <laughs> you know, in the middle of a uh, middle of Dragon Town after like these little like pill bugs like chase me up a, a dragon stairway. Like it, it's I just kept running a... until I got to the bonfire. I was like, screw you, Rickard! I'll come back. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I need to go find a bonfire. I'll be back. It's it's I don't really know what it means that this is this is record here other than like again just kind of connections yeah you know um, boy oh boy that weapon art on the on that fucking art or the art two on Rickard's uh, uh, rapier <sighs> whatever rapier. it is yeah uh, oh gosh that got me uh, I died to it because I forgot that he could just fire that off and kill you instantly mm. yeah he knocked yeah, me off it's the off. edge first time I fought oh no. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I was trying to be cute and hit him off the edge, but no, I I agree, Gary. I don't I a don't know what to think about this. So if there is something that, uh, and I thought a lot about this over the course of the last week, like the whole area in general. But this was the one thing where I was just kind of like, I don't know. Here, here, uh, cool. I'm going to save us a bunch of emails too. Okay, uh, Ricard. Rickard is the uh, the actually the name of the blacksmith, the magic blacksmith. Ricard mm. is who we're talking about. Ricard okay. Drapier. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, so so Rikert or Rikard. Yeah, Rickard. Uh, yeah, with a yeah. D. Uh, well, because Rickard is a person. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely not Rickard with a D. of Finheim, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Rickard is what you meant. So people who are screwed, like, delete that email that you were sending because <laughs> it is, uh, we caught it. Also, you know uh, what I you also meant. get a lot of comments <laughs> on myself from people very angry about my failed pronunciation of made up names. And yeah, so <laughs> I, I feel your pain there. That ends. When you guys got shit for asking people to use punctuation in their responses, oh, sure. 
I, I had I had to do the exact same thing because it's really hard once you've you know you do your day job stuff and then you record like a two hour episode or podcast and then you have to read a bunch of comments with no punctuation. It's like um, <laughs> and so, some guy said he like quit listening to the show based on me asking people to use commas in their sentences and it's like wow is that is that your hill to die on like and then when I when I said that like hey why that that's you know, why is this your hill to die on? They're like, why is it your hill to die on? It's like, who's dying? Like, I'm just asking you guys for like a, you know, just I'm, not, I'm not putting the podcast over it, you know, like it, and it is also just like a kind of a useful skill to live in the world, being able to communicate your ideas effectively with little room for yeah. ambiguity. <laughs> like, I mean, that's one I I'm with you on that. I wasn't even saying that though. Like I understand if people are saying like, Oh, you're being, you know, prescriptive to people. I just mean if like, if, if you want me to read it out loud, like, yeah, you know, if then, like, if I'm going to read this out loud, please do this. This is what I ask. You know, it's not a, I wasn't trying to say, like, this is the way you should live your life. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, that like, I mean, it, it, that's that long water under the bridge. So, um, but it is, <laughs> sorry, it is that sorry kind of for thing. Opening no, it is. Room, my bad. <laughs> no, it, it, it's okay. The, the people got really mad that uh, Aldrich, Aldrich thing, people yeah. also got really mad about. And it's like, they sound very similar. And uh, sorry. And, and you know what we meant. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but you knew we it's a, yeah. So yeah. Ricard, uh, I'm not sure if this is actually Ricard. I'm ultimately not sure if it actually matters. Yeah, I think it is uh, an Easter egg joke more likely than anything mm-hmm. else. Yeah, the guide um, isn't very helpful here either. It just refers to him interchangeably as unkindled, but it refers to basically every NPC that is like a player character as unkindled, uh, <laughs> and it also refers to him as a champion, a summoned champion. But that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah, I mean. Yeah, so it's a it is a champion that the snake summoner summons. Um, it's a fun encounter. Um, I like the uh, like the separation between you and the snake uh, summoner um, up there. Like if she's able to get off her uh, her soul mass or whatever the miracle equivalent of that is, mm-hmm. that is also um, incredibly difficult. Like it's a nice little scenario. Yeah, yeah. The the kind of once you know it's coming, the trick is just if you want to fight him and get and get the the weapon. Is just while you know, uh, Ricard is being summoned, just immediately run up and kill the serpent priestess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because uh, he's got kind of a, a period before he can he can get down to business. Um, as you run past this, we go into this little area with a with a bonfire here. Uh, this is where the the boss is. Um, we can go to this bell. Uh, but we're going to ignore it for now um, and do the uh, the Hawkwood stuff real quick before we actually get to the belfry. Yes. Um. Uh, so yeah, uh, this uh, will so be beyond this area. Uh, this bonfire is going to be very useful because we're going to be headed to this uh, this gauntlet um, that we that we mentioned before. Um, kind of heading up heading up to this peak that kind of um, overlooks a, a little bit of the entire area. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, um, yeah, it's a, a a big mix of both the caster uh, serpent men um, and uh, the regular melee ones, and also the gigantic uh guys as well and, and some rocket suits yes the gauntlet the gauntlet because I, I think the only two casters are the the summoners okay. the two summoners all right yeah sorry I, sorry I, no no that's i i just I, I recall like as i got a little bit further away some of them were uh doing their little spit fireballs thing oh me. yes that's right yeah, yeah they also have oh yeah that's right sorry sorry go on mm-hmm. no no i mean I, I guess all this is to say that like if you're going to go up there, you either have to be really smart about the way that you run if you're going to try and get past them. Otherwise, you are going to have to take all of them out in a, yeah. in, in a go because they will they will come piling up behind you in a big, bad way. If Cole had said ranged attackers, I think that would yes. have uh, 
yeah, would have, uh, yeah, would have done that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the um, so this is this is really hard. You can summon help here. You can get Hawkwood uh, mm-hmm. for it. Um, Hawkwood, um, what triggers it? Is it getting uh, what triggers him to leave? Yeah. So if you, if you've been following Hawkwood's quest line, which is more or less just talking to him at Firelink after uh, uh, passing various quest markers throughout the game. Um, he will eventually leave Firelink. And if he does, then you'll find his summon sign right by the uh, Great Belfry bonfire. And what's in really interesting... Pardon me? Or is it in front of the gauntlet that we're... we're uh, yes, about, yes, uh, in front of the gauntlet. Michael. So just down the stairs from the bonfire. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what's really interesting about that is that uh, in my blind playthrough, I rang the bell... And then I tried to summon him, and he <laughs> black crystalled out right away. Yep, and, um, and that puts a moratorium on any other summons. Actually, yes, yep, yep. You can't summon again, uh, summon him again after that because he's not there to help you defeat the boss. He doesn't give a crap. He doesn't give a shit about helping you defeat the Nameless King. I think rather than him being there to help us walk the path of the dragon, he's there to basically help himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I find that really interesting. Is it, go, it goes back to something that you said, Gary, in uh, yeah the episode of the Untended Graves that you know NPCs generally don't have a goal or an aim or a purpose of their own. And it, even more broadly than that, we've never and I've never played Demon Souls, but in all the Souls games I've played, and I consider Gilbert to sort of be the the crestfallen character of Bloodborne. But the the crestfallen up until now has really never had much going on other than just being crestfallen um and in his case uh it's really interesting that if you guys fight through the path of the dragon so this entire area with yeah all of these large serpent men and small serpent men and the casters and the ones with the two daggers the ones that so all of these there's so many of them and i i like as an aside that this entire area is pretty much destructible as well mm-hmm. uh so it creates this really sort of epic moment of you guys fighting up to this peak um, and what's interesting about that is that, uh, A, his leash is much longer than most of the NPCs. Like, all the NPCs in the game, and I, I summon a lot of NPCs just because I have fun messing with their AI. Mm-hmm. And all of the NPCs in Dark Souls 3, I don't know if you guys ever noticed this, but they're all kind of socially awkward. And <laughs> <laughs> they'll they'll <laughs> leash towards you, but then as soon as they get to the point where, you know, you stop, they sort of turn around and show their back to you. Um, like, there's some weird stuff with the, their pathing in this game. Um, and so that's why I noticed that his leash is really, really long. Hmm. Um, and the reason for that is that, again, he's not actually there to help you. He's there because he sucks in this form <laughs> and he can't make it to the top himself. Right. At yeah. least, and that I spent, I think, an hour and a half, about an hour and a half of footage of me summoning Hawkwood using a, a white branch and then just watching him like he can't even get past the first little bit where you go into that sort of, you know, room where there's a whole bunch more of them. He dies usually after killing one or two or three serpent men. Um, and yeah. And so if, if you clear it the entire area, you'll go up there. He does the path of the dragon gesture in front of the, uh, in front of the altar that's up there at, at the, you know, the end of the path of the dragon. And then he just sort of disappears and if we do the same thing, uh, so I can't remember which is which. I think that we get the torso stone, and he has the headstone. 
the twinkling torso stone specifically, and he has the the twinkling headstone. Right. And so, you know, it took me a really long time to try and figure out why that is beyond just simply, you know, there can only be one. And so it goes back to this thing we were talking about with the yoga mats earlier that, um, that you know, it seems almost like people are being granted admittance to uh, the Arch Dragon Peak in pairs. And that, you know, each – and so this invokes sort of the multiverse aspect of the story, which – I don't always like, but in this instance, I kind of like it. And, you know, it's it's invoked elsewhere in the game. So uh, another example being Sirius of the Sunless Realms. When you when you uh, allow yourself to be summoned by her in the Pit of Hollows, if you look up, if you've defeated, um, if you've defeated the uh, Curse Rider Greatwood in your world, you would have killed Hodrick in your world. You'll find his corpse the first time the ground breaks. Mm-hmm. But when you're summoned by Cirrus into the Pit of Halls, if you look up, uh, it's not broken. So right. basically, she she hasn't... So so the game, at several different junctures, invokes this sort of multiverse understanding of or multiverse conception of the game's world. Um, and so, through whatever means and for whatever reason... Each person that enters our Dragon Peak, if they follow the path of the dragons, they can only get either the headstone or the torso stone of the the twinkling variety. Um, And what's more, I guess we should also mention that when you get up to the top, when you're at that altar, uh, there's a mountain straight ahead of us Mm -hmm. that, yeah, you see a towering dragon at. Yeah. Um, And so presumably that's the dragon to whom uh, you're sort of praying in order to be granted the uh the twinkling stones right when when he makes it up to so i've I've never never tested this if, if he makes it up to that altar first and does the uh d- does the meditation pose mm-hmm. um does he get the torso or does he, he always he he always just has the uh the the head and is waiting for you to get the torso it's, uh, it's he always disappears okay he disappears yeah. and see see this is where i run into trouble because i'm not sure if these things are supposed to be connected, all these these sort of connections that I'm making here, or if it's just a case, um, uh, and if they are, or if it's just a case of we don't want anyone to miss this quest line. Because no matter what happens, no matter if you summon him or not, if you get one of them, then he winds up with the other one. Mm-hmm. So no matter what happens, if you followed his quest line up to that point, um, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah. but then if we go back to Firelink Shrine, and we talked to Andre real, real quick before we, we move on to that. Like what's kind of interesting about him using you for help is that you don't get summoned into his world. Like you do with Cirrus, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like it seems like if they were signaling that, like you're literally every time that you need to help out a bro in this game, like you go into their world to help them out. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you're wrong. It's just kind of interesting kind of inversion of it. And I think that the reason why that is, is to flip your expectations with that nameless King thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more than him not having interest in it, I think that he does not want to kill the the nameless king and probably does not want you to either. You know, no, and that is why he black crystals out. There's that note right next to the lever for the bell, which says, if you wish to watch, walk the path of the ancient dragons, don't ring the bell. Yeah. And, and, so and he definitely wants that. That's all he wants. He's a single issue voter. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, yeah. Like, um, um, yeah. Sorry, so, so when you... Oh yeah, I was just, so that's the, like the only thing about that. But I think other than that, I think you're you're pretty right on about uh, at least you know definitely about his motivations. And he explicitly says so when we head back to uh, Firelink 
um, where Andre has a bit of his sword grass that has a note on it. And uh, you're going to we'll run into note. Andre. You know, <laughs> you, you check out, uh, you go, you talk to Andre. Um, he, you're going to check in with him. And it's kind of an interesting kind of better version of Cirrus's quest line where there's kind of an item. It's a little bit obscured in the, um, in the main merchant you may or may not use. You're definitely going to go to Andre, especially with all this upgrade material uh, from, from our Dragon Peak. And uh, you head there and it says, hey, he's waiting for you at the Abyss Watchers arena, essentially. Um, uh, it says you, it says something about a mausoleum in Farron Keep. But yeah, oh, it's yeah. the Abyss Watchers yeah. boss room. Yeah. yeah. And I only um, remember and, that because it, I had to warp to like 15 different bonfires before I <laughs> figured out. Uh, and then I Googled, what is a mausoleum? I didn't know what a mausoleum yeah. was. So. <laughs> um, and, you, and you go in there and you fight him. And he says, like, I'm going to take this thing from you. I'm going to be the true dragon. Right. Uh, I'm going to, you know, take the item from you and then kind of like in a, and you know, he's one of these NPC quest lines as much as I don't like the NPCs in dark souls three in general. Um, this one works for me because he's always kind of shit. Like he has this redemptive <laughs> moment, but he like, he heals more than any NPC that you can fight in the game. <laughs> like he, he will just back off and heal. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's, it's like the story of somebody who joined an order of warriors wasn't good enough for it. Tried to join another order of warriors. Also, wasn't good enough for it, and killed himself. Um, you know, got killed, and then like eventually, you find his stuff by a by a tombstone. Is that correct? Am I right in that, or am I wrong? Uh, I thought you eventually get an item from that, but I could be mistaken about that one. You find ashes that could be his in Arch Dragon Peak. Um, the Dragon Seekers, yeah, ashes. Yeah, even though you could find that before this happens to you, hmm. but they, you know, time timey wimeyness. I guess. Yeah, that would that would require like a timey wimey. So I just, yeah. you know, the ashes are whoever's. I I don't even I haven't yeah. hadn't even really made that connection. But he he dies uh, somehow. He dies either to your hands or. But it is the story of somebody who is just kind of like shit at fighting and only wants to be good at fighting. You know, and so, that's that's super kind of sad. I don't know. I, I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, like when I first started grad school, I, I really struggled. And one of the things that I really struggled with is something that's called, uh, which is a generally a thing, but it's something that's often discussed in the context of uh, new graduate students, and that is imposter syndrome. That you, you know, he did some really awesome things. The fact that before we even get to Firelink, he's already wearing, you know, full sort of Abyss Watcher's gear other than the helmet. And he has, you know, the Abyss Watcher sword and all this other stuff. Like, he's done all these great things. But even still, one of the first things he says to us is that, you know, they would have us uh, return the, the Lords of Sinner to their molding thrones when we're not even fit to lick their boots. So he has, he expresses sort of this this vulnerability, this anxiety, this, uh, you know, he feels basically throughout the entire game that he's worthless. And he, that, you know, unkindled in general can't even die, right? So we suck. And mm. again, when you summon him in the at the the path of the dragon gauntlet, he does suck. Like again, I can't stress enough. An hour and a half of me watching him just going, "Come on, Crest, bro, you can do it," and just getting his butt kicked over and over again. But uses his shield heavily. But when you go to the mausoleum to fight him, the Abyss Watchers, uh, the Abyss Watchers boss room, he's using the proper Abyss Watchers setup. He no longer yeah. uses the shield. He's not, and he is a way harder way way harder way more capable than he is when you summon him and so i think that you know even though it's kind of tragic that that is pretty cool and and one of my one of my viewers a, a person named yosaho um often provides a very interesting uh translation notes on like uh, things that are really different and um if if you kill him 
and you know therefore you become the dragon presumably he sort of goes hollow uh the dialogue in english sounds more just like you know crestfallen self-wallowing um but in japanese um the person basically said that in japanese in english his motivation is pretty vague but in japanese he has no regrets in losing to you um that you know it, it translates loosely to something like if you were the one who is to become a dragon that's not bad at all so mm. i thought hmm. that was really really cool and again just the fact <laughs> The mere fact that he's just more than being simply crestfallen, I think, is really awesome. I, I like that, too. And it definitely he definitely improves. I just I found and it could be a thousand different factors like playstyle build or anything like that. Um, found him to be pretty much a pushover in the fair and keep arena as well. Mm-hmm. So it was hard. You know, it seemed like a dual failure kind of thing to me. Either way, it really works, though. Um you know, and Either way, even he if, has a if, new swagger. He he's definitely like still yeah. he's got his groove back. Yeah, his groove is back. Um the the you know the 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 pool person um of regardless of of gender has been uh sw- swagged, swanked, swaddled. <laughs> yep, um, swaddled. You know, he's, he's, he's swaddled. swaddled. He swaddled that pool pool person, you know. Yeah, he he took a pool person, made him his own and and he is he's definitely got his groove back regardless of whether it is like a story of like you know, a failure versus failure with dignity, you know, like a mm-hmm. cowardly failure versus a like a good death, like a good kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of it is told kind of through through gameplay stuff like those little PVP, you know, multiplayer interactions taking place. Like when he first when I uh, read that he black crystals out because uh, I you know, did not try to bring him into the boss. Um, my first time I brought him here, I summoned him. Um, he was in way too rough shape and I was like, I'm going to take this guy into the boss and he's going to die right away. So <laughs> I'm going to go get him killed. Um, you know, which is a little bit like more cynical, uh, and then go into it and you can't summon him after he's gotten the thing or he, you know, he disappears and his summon sign goes mm-hmm. away. But, um, just that little, little bit of him, like all the storytelling being done through mechanics, like what gear he wears, where he decides to fight you, all that stuff is actually pretty great. Yeah. We also find a soul of a crestfallen knight right near where uh, we summon him, which is what led me initially to believe that, oh, it's just that he sucks and that he can't <laughs> walk the path of the dragons himself. And so therefore, you know, even though obviously this wouldn't work, although I've never tested it, but it wouldn't work if another player summoned you and you went and did the path of the dragon. Mm-hmm. Like that would be a really cool thing if that were actually a thing. But um, but yeah, there was yeah, something it, else it, I, I wanted to add, but I can't remember. So. <laughs> It's pretty neat. Like yeah. I, I, I like this. Uh, I like this quite a bit. Um, oh, um, the way this articulates. Sorry, we should mention that if he kills you, you respawn with a message on the bottom of the screen that says the champion has taken the dra- the dragon. Oh yeah, dragon yeah, yeah. You can stuff. you can lose the ability to go full dragon. And he um, says you just have to go kill him to get it back, but yeah. you you can lose it temporarily for sure. Mm-hmm. And and he says this will be no no petty theft. Like he wants to earn it. And so uh, I guess a way of explaining the mechanics of the fact that you can just keep respawning at the bonfire that's right there and keep killing him over and over or keep trying to kill him over and over again. And he'll (laughs) never leave. He'll just stay there forever until you kill him, which is kind of, yeah, but it's on the more recent playthroughs um, on the uh, this last one on the second one. I just let him kill me and take it. Because I'm not mm-hmm. going to turn into a dragon. I'm not yeah. going to do the dragon torso thing. Like, mm-hmm. let, let the baby have his bottle. Fuck it. <laughs> I, I don't mean that. Like, let, I just, I just mean like he seems like a good dude. 
let him have it. Like, I don't want it. Um, and that's, <laughs> the like, that's only a good possible way to get a happy ending for an NPC, really, in this yeah. game, when you think about them. it. Yeah. <laughs> Just let him hang out there with his, his abyss bros with his dragon yeah. every, every Everybody you ever knew and loved is dead. Uh, you still have to live with that crushing failure, no matter how much you feel like you redeemed yourself before. And also, you have to live on the corpses of your former compatriots. Mm-hmm. Have fun. Yeah. Later, dude. And, and the sky mm-hmm. is slowly weeping. Right. And yeah. ev- eventually is going to... To, to drip into the um yeah it's a it's a it's pretty pretty well done this is a well done uh npc yeah. quest line in this game i think mm. for sure um <laughs> you can head up to after that you can head up to the roof here as well and there's a little <laughs> area where um next to a gigantic dead dragon it's our old buddy havel yep um or a someone dressed as havel or who knows but yeah. you can definitely have a couple havels going on here um <laughs> I've read things where it, it kind of suggests this is not Havel. It's it's like somebody dressed up as Havel or one of his order of knights. Yeah. I mean, that was I the think, case in uh, in two, right? When we found his armor around the Grave of Saints, like it talked about a whole order of knights who took up after him. Yeah. Yeah. So who, who knows who this actually is? Um, I mean, obviously, I think the intended effect for the player is that like, oh, shit, Havel. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and he's got this amazing. His shield has a weapon art now, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes him grow little rock tumors all over, and he's super tough boy. It's so gross. Uh, it's it's like it's it's almost as gross as the uh, as the pus of man. Um, yeah, I I saw this, and I was initially very happy for him because I'm like, oh, he finally got to kill a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it, ever since the beginning, that was kind of what he was. I hate, I, I hates dragons and I hates magics and, uh, Ooh, never the two <laughs> shall meet. Um, and so like, it's actually super imposing. Who the to- scale <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's super, it's, it's super imposing to like, see this dude who already, you know, you have these associations with like standing over what we have to presume is a fresh kill of this thing that has probably given you a lot of, uh, a lot of trouble before this. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I had a, the, the shield, a the item description for the shield word describes this uh, it says the shield is imbued with a special power reminiscent of havel himself i don't remember where i read this or who who shared this with me but um the idea being that i think in the original japanese text it it draws a much clearer distinction between havel the rock arch you know bishop havel and the havel himself is meant to indicate that yeah that's not that this person is havel but drawing a distinction between havel's men like the army of Havel and Havel as a person. Yeah. And so yeah. I think it's more likely, obviously, that, that this is one of Havel's men, whether contemporary, unlikely, but more likely a descendant of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or a pretender, possibly, as well. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely interesting. Um, at this point, like, this didn't actually... I didn't start thinking of this in storyline terms until after the first time, because... This is one of the last areas I did in the game, and I was furious about all the callbacks. <laughs> so, like, when mm-hmm. I got to this point, I was like, well, fuck you. Like, yeah. you know, just like, oh, great. The whole gang's here. I don't think it means um, anything. I just think it was obligatory at this point, and the little scene they set up disconnected from everything else, you know, yeah. had, had a little bit going for it. It's uh, He plays into, like, I've, I've watched a bunch of lore videos um, kind of on this area and the Nameless King and stuff, and he plays into that kind of theorizing, you know, as to, to why he would be here, why there would be a Havel Knight Mm-hmm. uh here um you know i don't i don't know uh it i think it i think it is mostly just kind of to like give a nod you know yeah. um i don't and think to he's make part your work of it. for a tight night slab as well <laughs> i had a really hard time with him mechanically the first time i i got here um i just like <laughs> 
you know, I ended up like throwing a bunch of dung pies at him, like toxicing him. Like mm-hmm. it was, it, I had a really hard time with him. Yeah. I um, managed to get him to fall, fall to his death. Uh, he <laughs> fell oh, down yeah. the ladder and then he tried climbing back up, but he got like caught in the pathing of the rock lizard and then just sort of, yeah, tumbled off the cliff. And I'm like, all right, rip, I guess. <laughs> lizard's on my side now um, <laughs> yeah now who's the rock oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that lizard i would like to see that little lizard carrying the shield and dragging that club <laughs> yeah. behind him um the uh so so if you want to fight the the boss of this area there's no nothing to do other than ring that bell and i didn't for a long time because it said don't <laughs> so i was like oh there's got to be another thing to do um but nope this is it like you can go become a dragon and then go do a bunch of fun bvp and rp server stuff or you can ring the bell and fight the boss um giving you like one of the coolest cutscenes in the game so good uh i think uh which is gonna play into like again my thesis of this these bosses where it's like presentation a plus extra credit <laughs> you know through the roof like this looks really really neat um as the uh the sky darkens the wind kicks up um, and the bell just doesn't stop ringing. Like there's a, some point like, no, 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 sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to fix it. And like, there's no, there's no fixing it. It just keeps going. Um, as the sky turns into a different version of a nightmare sky, uh, from, from the other version in a way that is like so relatable, unlike the black hole sun, uh, of the, the main area. Like this is like, Oh, like I grew up in tornado alley. Like mm-hmm. this is a specific kind of storm that we got all the time growing up <laughs> the, like scary storm. Yeah. Yeah, interesting and and that's something that like i had no because you know i toronto we we don't really have in toronto Canada, don't really have any weather like that but my first uh, the way i described it here in my notes was that the the entire area becomes sort of encircled with by a cyclone and that we're sort of in the eye of the storm mm, and yeah. because if you if you look you see it's it's moving sort of in both directions um but you know i'm not a meteorologist so i don't really know uh Beyond being able to say that I checked to see if when we went back to the yoga mats, if you could actually see the skybox in that state. No, it looks exactly the same. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it is very lovingly animated. Uh, that tornado comparison is actually super on point, Gary. Um, and also just kind of like the turbulence of the rain. Like we've never had a, a storm like this. You know, we just barely had rain and during Lake Castle. We have snow, you know, on occasion, but like this this kind of, you know, literal atmospheric effect of like letting you know shit is about to get real is something we haven't seen. And again, you know, tick one off for or you know, like let's check the box for another thing that is really benefited by the improved hardware. You know, like sure. by 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 knocking this up um a generation like this. Like it looks fantastic. And just even the idea of like taking a leap of faith and stepping out onto this invisible platform. The arena in which you fight this guy is tremendous. I think specifically because of that, like you do feel like you're just at the whim of the elements. Yeah. A very metal yeah. arena for a very metal boss. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. That, that leap of faith is really worth noting too, because I had no idea I was supposed to go down there. <laughs> like th- that was another thing that I backtracked through almost all of this level, looking to see what was changed. Yeah. Um, like I thought, Oh, maybe like the dragon I fought at the beginning is going to come back and be a real boss fight now. Like, what is this going to be? And then like, Oh, I just have to walk on nothing. Yeah. Um, you walk on this cloud thing across this little bridge area to go fight the nameless King. But not before you kill his buddy, the King of Storms. A thousand fucking times. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> so there's no explicit um, uh, cutscene that introduces these two. They just kind of swoop down, and then there they are. Um, yep. You have uh, this gigantic Drake, um, uh, who is the King of Storms, and then this uh, this this figure that we see riding him uh, with uh, just an incredible mane of hair on him. Um, we've seen statues of him down on the down on the first floor. So like this is his home. Like this is a place that is somewhat erected in his honor, and he is pissed off. You are right here, and he is fighting from the back of this dragon. Um, and this is at this point. Uh, again, ticking a lot of the boxes that make Cole say yes, yes, yes. Don't stop the rocket. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's an amazing presentation of fighting. Like it's very metal. Um, a little bit, like I said before, it leans a little bit into painted on the side of a van, uh, side of metal, as opposed to the kind of weird, creepy metal, you know, mm-hmm. that that I, I tend to prefer. But like, it it is very cool. And even this, so this first phase of the fight uh, is you have no way of really knowing that this is just an Estes tax yeah. going into it. So like the first <laughs> time I was like, Oh, this is kind of a cool fight. The camera's kind of shit uh, during it, but like, it's kind of a cool fight. Um, he mostly attacks through, uh, he does like a lot of swooping attacks. Um, the, the, the dragon, he does uh, a fire breathing attack, which is, you know, Yahtzee. It's time <laughs> to go in and, and start smacking his head around. It's the only place he does damage. Um, he does the, I'm going to fly up in the sky and shoot fire down at the, the ground like the ancient dragon does, which, yeah. God, do I fucking hate that attack. And Dark Souls, like, please stop doing that ever. <laughs> um, and this one, like, the narrow, the the window to run away from this is very narrow. Like, you have to start running straight away really fast. Yeah. Like, as soon as it starts happening in order to get out of the, the radius of that. Um, what I essentially do during... Sorry, I was just going to say that what I usually do in the first phase is use, uh, if you have the decks for it, just use a bow and just uh, attack the the storm drake from a distance. And that is, at least for me, the only way I found to do this fight without the camera driving me crazy, the first phase at least. Mm. Um, and you can usually, like, uh, the, with the Black Bull Ferris, four or five hits, something like that. And then, uh, yeah, usually procs for a critical attack, and then you can just go right to the second phase. Hmm. Mm. Getting to finding this this first phase is all about efficiency. Yeah, like it's not um, in a way that like is meta in a way that's not I don't love where like it's not becoming about like those kind of like desperate calls, like, you know, kind of close calls and, and desperate measures and stuff. It is about how do I get through this while maintaining as much of my resources as possible. Yeah, it's um, like, you know, if, where, if I if I spend more than three Estes in this first phase, I, I might, might as, as well, well just, just restart. Myself. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like I because we're going to get to that second phase. So the first phase, there's not too much to it. Um, this, this boss in my mind, like, um, would be improved a lot. If this first phase didn't respawn, mm-hmm. um, if you could just go directly mm. to the second phase after you do the first one once, I think. And it would add a lot um, of pathos too, because like when you kill this Drake, you know, he kind of pulls an Ornstein and or Smo and absorbs the soul of it. Like he runs mm-hmm. up and impales its eye. And like, I'll, you know, by reading the item descriptions, like this dude, like these guys, they, they've rolled deep. Like yeah, ever since like girls. small times, yeah, and yeah. so like you killed his best friend, so now things are real. And if you come back, um, and this thing is gone, a that is inc- that is an incredible game for efficiency, but also it's like you know we, we still need to settle this. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you know, hey, you did you did this, and you're still gonna pay. And he doesn't he doesn't run up and stab in the eye. He like lovingly puts his hand on it. Yeah, like yeah. looks at it for a moment, considers. Like it is there's a lot of pathos to it. Like in a way that really worked for me the first time. Similar similar to. Uh, Ornstein, I think. Yes. From yeah. Dark Souls 1, yeah. Um, so, so again, it worked on me the first like time I saw it. Um, 
the fact that it, you know it happens a thousand times doesn't help. Um, when you get to the second phase of this, where it becomes um, like what I think is unquestionably the hardest boss in the game pre-DLC, uh, at the very least, um, where he mm-hmm. actually becomes the nameless king. Um, I like it, I'll let you guys. I don't want to influence anybody because um, I've talked about it a lot the, the the season where like I really don't like this boss, but I would I, I will hear other <laughs> I'll hear other options. Um, where, where do you guys land on on the nameless king, and then I can kind of articulate why he gets up my on my dick in a bad way, why he sounds me in with a fury. I'll, I'll um. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. You, you first, Cole. You first. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. Um, my, mine's mine's real simple. I've never beaten him. I don't think that I ever will. Um, I just think that he is a little bit too fast, a little bit too furious, and there's nothing that I can do, be it dodge, um, be it block, uh, be it try and manage his attacks or try and goad him into a particular pattern to um, kind of negate the fact that he will just chew through my endurance in a way that no boss outside of, like, Bloodborne ever has. Um, I I just, I just, I, I don't feel like the numbers line up, and I desperately want to like this boss because it combines a lot of elements that I really enjoy, but I just I just don't think that it's I don't think that it's tuned in a way that feels fun for the way that I enjoy playing these games. Yeah, the balance is certainly a little bit off for particular playstyles, and so that's the reason why like I started using a bow in the first phase is that uh Gary, as you mentioned, yeah, like I was going into the second phase with, you know, any anything less than like thirteen S's, I'm like, okay, I'm dead. So mm-hmm. um and you know I'm I'm in the the simultaneously fortunate and unfortunate position to have a lot of people who enjoy watching my blind playthroughs. Um, and so I say fortunate because, you know, it's cool that people actually care to see my reactions, but also unfortunate in that you can't end a playthrough like that without beating all the bosses. <laughs> and sure. that was, I think, episode 28 of, you know, about an hour each episode. And I was just exhausted at that point because... You know, this is something I do on my spare time. Like, I don't, you know, I have a full-time gig, pretty much. And, and uh, this is just something I do for fun. And that was, like, I think I must have died 20... I counted, like, last week. I should have wrote it down, like, 20, 22 times or something like that. So I had to edit it all together in a way that, you know, was nice. That I didn't actually have to do again until a certain final boss from a certain DLC... <laughs> just yeah kicked me all over the place but no i agree that it's you know maybe a little bit hard like I've, I've defeated the boss several times but it's always been the hardest boss for me and the most embarrassing aspect of that is that by the time i actually beat the boss i was so frustrated by the whole thing that i didn't bother reading any of the item descriptions and so then i had to deal with like 50 comments <laughs> of people saying i can't believe you didn't even <laughs> find out who that was you didn't even say that was gwen like what kind of lore person are you and i'm like i'm sorry i just you yeah. know i wanted to end it and go back to my real responsibilities and stuff but no yeah the- I, I i agree like i've defeated the boss several times but it's it's never easy and it's always you know it's always uh i always grind my teeth while doing it and you know, I know there are some people who can do it like Soul Level 1 with no clothes and, you know, wearing, using like a broken straight sword. But, yeah. <laughs> it's, I agree. So, it's so really, the, really The hard. fact that somebody can do... Okay, Lobos exists. Therefore, somebody can do a thing. Yeah. Like, that. Yeah. that, 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 that is not, not enough. That, 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 does, uh, that dog will, <laughs> will not hunt for me in justifying why a thing is the way it is. 
Yeah, it, it doesn't actually doesn't excuse anything. It just means like possible is not the same thing as well balanced. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if possible was the only clearing, like the only bar for something being like an appropriate difficulty level, then, you know, I want to be the, the the guy would just be it would be as good as Super Mario World. You know, like what, it's possible. What's, <laughs> like, it would, what's more is that he's even like he's I, I don't think anyone can really argue that He's way harder than Gwyn was in Dark Souls One. Oh yeah, no, no question. And what's or amazing? I, I what's, think he's way harder than Gwyn. Are you saying oh, you're yeah. saying that you he's not, that, or that he's... You, you can't can't argue that he isn't hard or that oh, he okay. isn't harder than Gwyn? Sorry, gotcha. double negatives. <laughs> um, but and the thing that kind of doesn't make sense about that is that you know Gwyn, when we fight him, he's going sort of hollow. You know, he was the Lord of Sunlight, and then he became the Lord of Cinder. We're fighting him after the decline. Whereas with the Nameless King, if you look at his face, he's pretty much a skeleton. So yeah. how is it that even though we're fighting him, you know, countless millennia after he actually did all these things and betrayed the gods and sided with the dragons, how is it that he's still so gosh darn strong? Yeah, it, it has a weird feeling, and I'm going to get some shit for this, but it has an anime feeling to me of like just being like, can you imagine the ultimate warrior who trained in in you know in solitude for this long to become the greatest that has ever been and then just like <laughs> pumping up all his stats to make him like 10,000 Gokus worth of strong <laughs> you know um, it's it's that so when you earlier we were talking about that that exhaustion like that is such a big part of why this doesn't work for me is that mm-hmm. so I, I, I beat him uh, the first time through I couldn't do it I summoned I did it with, with help um, the second time through, like, I, I need to beat every boss, you know, and I, I just got exhausted. I'm like, I need this to be over. Um, summoned help, beat him, and I thought it was fine. Second play through the game, I beat him by myself because I want to at least do that for everybody once. And by the time I did it, like, there is a sense of relief, um, which a lot of people get and they feel it, and they're just like, man, it took me a thousand tries, but it's so satisfying to do it. By the end, I was just so sick of, like, seeing his stupid face fighting that stupid dragon every time. Like, everything about it, like, alchemized to be uncool mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. because I was so like all this bad will of just frustration mm-hmm. um, you know like cool what you're saying where you like ease through your stamina like he did you, you know you can't blocking isn't really an option like you know so I try to like approach these games if I'm having a hard time I try to like one thing the Dark Souls games do is they punish you for trying the same thing and expecting different results mm-hmm. so like I went in just playing my normal play style that I fight every boss with wasn't working so I was like, okay, let's load up on lightning equipment. Maybe I do need like a high stability shield. Let's go, you know, upgrade the shield that I wasn't using for the whole game. Um, you know, put a bunch of time and kind of resources, like grind up to get the souls to get that shield, you know, good enough. Nope. His his lightning attack that comes from the sky, all of his stuff does way too much damage to the shield, even with as much lightning defense as I can possibly give it. Um, it does like way too much damage and does too much stamina. Oh, and also, okay, so I, also this is a fight that has both lightning and fire damage in play. Um, so yeah. good luck trying to, uh, yeah, like trying your... to spec for it. Yeah, totally. And so then I was like, okay, um, I just need to learn his moves. Like this has to be a thing. Like this has to be like an notorious thing, but it does the thing where, uh, multiple phases. And, um, I brought this up in one place where I was talking about him, but Artorias, my favorite boss fight in the series, I think they hasn't been top. Mm-hmm. Artorias has one move where he does that overhead somersault thing mm-hmm. that can either mm-hmm. happen one, two or three times. Uh, there isn't signaling as to whether it's going to be one, two, or three. It's kind of bullshit, right? Like, you don't know how many it's going to be. You don't know when it's safe. Um, usually, I just keep dodging until he stops moving just to be safe. Mm-hmm. Nameless King has several combos that you don't know how long they're going to be. 
So it's not just one of those kind of bullshit moves. It's many of those kind of bullshit moves. Like, is he going to charge past me and then immediately turn around and stab me? Or is he going to rust and that's the time to attack him? Like, there's not the signaling isn't there for how long these strings of attacks are going to go. Yeah, they can go infinitely because he has unlimited stamina. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I don't know how far he's going to follow that chain. Mm-hmm. He also, I think, varies up the timing of his attacks more than any other boss in that, you know, you could have the roll timing perfectly for one attack and then he does another attack that looks almost exactly the same, but like he hesitates for a split second. Yeah. And then Lots you roll right into an attack and yeah. then he combos and then you're dead. Like, yeah, con- you, you basically that- can't make mistakes. And, and that can be a good thing, right? Look at Champion Gunder. Right, like mm-hmm. that, like that is that's something that that they did with him to very good effect. We we heaped a lot of praise on Champion Gunder. I think that the, the the way that they kind of syncopate his rhythm on this, in addition with the fact that he can just like go go out of one combo and into another combo like immediately. You know, the other side of this, he chews through your stamina. A big part of that is okay. So I'm dodging. I'm trying to stay out of the way. Uh, okay, I think I think I have an opening. Nope, I wasted that <laughs> one thing, and then all of a sudden I'm comboed down. Like. It's- mm-hmm. I can't it's read consequences. Him. Yeah. Like, it's not just that. It's the difference between him and Gunder is that, like, Gunder doesn't kill you in one combo. Right. So, like, the fact that fucking up once is very, very probably death. And, like, something I've talked about before, and not everybody agrees with me, but I think sustained perfection is really boring. Yeah. Like, asking if the, the point of a boss is just, like, yes, you have to figure it out, but you have to play perfectly for a long time. Uh, which is a big Bloodborne thing, actually. Like, that comes mm-hmm. up with a lot of Bloodborne bosses where they have, like, way too much HP. Abritus, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, Abritus. Like, play perfectly for a long time. Um, I think that's not interesting as a design thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that consequence really, really bums me out. Um, it's It just, you know, I like to, like, in a video game, like, I want to be able to make mistakes. You know, like, the the Souls games are really good at balancing your resources versus the number of mistakes you make. Right. Like that's kind of the idea behind it. That's the way the reason why DS1 Estus is the perfect healing system. It's like I have this many mistakes I can make. How <laughs> this is these mm-hmm. are these are my allowances. Whenever you set that allowance to one, the game <laughs> falls down. Like yeah. one shot hit kills, one combo kills, anything like that. I'm never gonna be into that. Yeah. Like I just don't feel like it works for this kind of thing because every one of those mistakes is a loading screen, um, an entire boss fight. <laughs> you know, between those things. And then just like, I got unlucky on the first combo right after I killed the, the King of the storm. Oh, now I just get to try it again. Like it's so tedious. Yeah. And even on, uh, on the first phase on the, on the PS4, at least whenever, uh, the King of the storm flies up in the air and then the nameless King does the sunlight spear on the PS4. There's like two or three frames that get dropped every single time mm-hmm. they do that attack. And so that's at least, in in my experience, like one or two S's gone every single time they do that attack because it's so hard to, to time your dodge when, you know, the frame rate drops suddenly like that. So yeah. that that adds to the frustration for me, definitely. Yeah. Um to to, to Gary's point about uh about one hit kills not being not not being fun at all. Um I really like dramatic fights that are kind of like a a, a, t- a tug of war back and forth. You you gain gain an inch, lose an inch, right? Like mm-hmm. that kind of dramatic exchange always will work better for me and that's again why gunder works that's why artorius works you know when you have that time to kind of like you know rally as a, as as things go along when there is no give when it's just a, a very slow ratchet um in the direction of making progress against the boss and if you slip up 
at just once, if there's no give on your side, then all of a sudden all of the drama goes away. And I don't feel like that. I'm, I don't feel like I'm playing the same game that I signed up for. Yeah. And that's, it, that's where I land on it. Like I, I get, go ahead, Callum, what were you going to say? Well, sorry, just, just my last thing is, uh, I was just thinking about the mention of Bloodborne. And I feel like this boss would almost be better balanced if it were in Bloodborne. Cause it, like, imagine if you had quick stepping, Oh, quick sure. stepping a would be much more viable plus like a weapon like the um uh oh one of the three starting weapons i've played bloodborne for like 500 hours uh the sock <laughs> the cleaver. cane or the sock cleaver the, yeah if you had the sock cleaver and quick stepping i feel like this boss wouldn't be that hard um because that's how i fought um <laughs> the orphan and even though it took me 19 tries like the on the 20th one once i was like okay just gonna quick step and then one R one, and then I'm out of there. Quick step one R one, then I'm out of there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, maybe maybe that has something to do with the cross pollination of the dev teams and them working on multiple things at once. That you know, somehow in like Bloodborne mode, which you know the way we're walking on the sky, sort of impossible physics, is very reminiscent to me of uh, the Hunter's Nightmare in many ways. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but no, yeah. I, I agree. I agree with you guys for the most part. It, it's it's you know regain would make a big difference for it too and it, it reminds me of like when i've heard people talk about this like this is a lot of people's favorite souls boss um and it reminds me of people who when we did the chalice dungeon episodes who were just like man it is satisfying to kill watchdog of the old lords and it's just that <laughs> i don't i hate i hate this is something that i do and i hate it about myself so if you hate it about me know that i hate it about myself as well um where like it's not that i don't trust people that they're legitimately like they love it. I think they their feelings are real. They do really like it. But their the the feeling of satisfaction and relief is papering over bad design. Like I don't like just because you feel very good about something after you beat it and it's very satisfying does not equal that it was well designed. Well, you and know, when like people are, say Sorry, when when people say, Oh, I can't believe you had so much hard, such a hard time with that boss, or you know, oh, I killed that boss on the first try, they're completely ignoring the the fact that the Souls games are like almost completely subjective in how you experience them and that every single person will have, you know, provided they're not, you know, uh, following a walkthrough let to the letter mm-hmm. that everyone, you know, everyone has their own unique play style that will play well against some bosses and not against others. Yeah. So I really don't think it's anyone's place to say, you know, oh, you should have liked this boss more. <laughs> I- I'm surprised that you had trouble with ABC. All you had, all you really had to do was X, Y, Z. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, X, Y, and Z is usually, that. is usually like load up on a particular kind of arrow and wait 15 minutes. Well, or, or just that like you should have known that. something about the mechanics that you couldn't possibly have known without looking yeah. it up. Yeah. Or, you know, make, uh, make all of the decisions that a person made, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, up, until that point. up until that point. So that they go mm-hmm. to that fight with the right context for making decisions in the moment. Why can't you guys be me? What the heck? Oh, yeah. Or, or even just like a, a, an actual physical thing that like is a skill, like, Hey, you just have to get excellent at parrying. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty comfortable with my parrying and, and souls. Like I'm, I'm decent at it. Um, but like that as a, as a thing always drives me nuts. Like, Hey, just get, you know, just learn how to do this thing that like Mm -hmm. definitely doesn't come natural. Like it's a timing thing. It's a, it's a thing that is a difference in people's brains and hands Mm -hmm. that they maybe don't have that ability that, you know, that, that you do uh, quite as well. So it's always a a frustrating, let's all say it together now. Yeah. Get good. Yeah. You know, never, never, never get good. Um, so, and this is just, it's one of those things where it could have been like, I had, have had fun kind of steamrolling him with summons because he is still like relatively hard. There's still that sense of consequence, but you can actually set back and heal. Um, 
but it is it is unbalanced. And the the DLC, the final boss for the DLC is as bad or worse to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and this worse what it I... feels like to me is that like it's from software. You know, they have their fans who are just really into like wanting this to just get harder as the series goes. Um, but I don't just the way that they're doing it is not my favorite. Like just adding, you know, Dark Souls three already has a lot of bosses that just have a second health bar. Um, this one <laughs> mm-hmm. would count as that as well with the, with the first phase. Um, they're just adding to it like DLC, you know, uh, two might have a boss with four health bars because why not? You know, like why Prepa- like, this is the only way was never what made Dark Souls good. And yeah. and you're right in that I feel like a lot of the times, uh, you know, FromSoft seems to get caught up in its own uh, notoriety in that respect. It it definitely this feels like an example of that to me. Like it's an optional boss. It can be like the ruby weapon. I get that it can be this <laughs> challenging. I just wish it was challenging in like a fun way. Like yeah. Like I'm I am a big defender of Fume Knight. Like that is probably previously considered oh, the hardest boss. Oh, Fume Knight's so Fume. good. <laughs> like, Love Fume Knight. I, but you can, I, I think it doesn't that, take that long to get good, like, again, uh, provided everyone's different. But when you, when it finally clicks for you with the Fume Knight, he's, you know, he can be beaten. And in very few Estes as well. Yeah, um, but it, with this boss, I feel like, you know, I fought this boss just as many, if not more times than the Fume Knight. And I can kill the Fume Knight, you know, pretty much every time. But with this boss, no. It, it's, you know, throwing in, if that one doesn't work for you, if, if people listening to this are just like, you know. Dark Souls 2 doesn't count. Like, I love Orphan of Cost. Like, I ended up really loving that mm-hmm. boss fight. I really mm-hmm. like Lady Maria. That's one of my all-time favorite boss fights. Like, you can do difficulty in a way that isn't just ramp up every stat a thousand. Mm-hmm. You know, and just like, this boss just Make has unending unstaggerable. Con- yeah, unstaggerable, does enough damage. You know, every single time you get hit, it's, you know, 70% of your health bar if you get caught in anything. Because that just means that you have to heal, but, uh-oh, like, half of your opportunities to heal or attack... Are aren't those things? They just look like them because he has the attacks that are attacks that are purposely deceptive, to look like that. Like I get that it is possible to to learn this and do it, and like I've I've done it, I got through him, uh, but I can take no joy in it, and it yeah. just you know it bums me out in an area I otherwise really like. Yep. Because the actual base, you know, the moment to moment gameplay, the actual ground level troops in this are actually pretty good, um, and the aesthetics of this area are excellent. Mm-hmm. And even this boss like looks pretty great. Like he looks like a cool dude. Again, it's a little bit anime <laughs> for me, but he looks really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just like that. It's just that tuning that just like doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. Yeah. I filed I filed this guy away in the uh, the ancient dragon um, box or whatever it is mm-hmm. like, okay, I've done this enough to where I feel like I know what's going on. However, I, I th- there is no reality in which, you know, putting the time in to actually finish this will feel will give me any kind of positive experience nothing nothing about this can be redeemed um mm. you know in, in in my mind i'm just throwing good time after bad you know yeah. won't feel good beating it won't feel good saying i beat it you know yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah at some point the only like if you, next time you're in portland i should queue up a save that's at dark Lur- dark lurker because out of all those those bosses where you've kind of thrown in the towel, that's the one I want you to fight because it's a really yeah. good boss fight. I know it's a good boss fight. I just haven't beaten it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a pain in the dick to get to, and like you have to jump through a lot of hoops to get to it. It sucks. Yeah. Um, I've gotten but close. It's, it's, like I know it. I've got it in my head. I just can't do it. <laughs> it's a so it, it's pretty frustrating. Um, you know, it there's a shadow of a cool boss in here, mm-hmm. um, like a cool duel, but I don't think this is it. Um, but I mean, people have already written in. People will write in and stuff if with with descent. I'm sure. Um, anywho, so once once you actually beat this guy, 
Um, he falls down to the ground um, and we get to pick up his shit and learn a lot about uh, what this is. And this is another thing where like this guy that kind kind of holistically bums me out because uh, this is Gwen's firstborn. Yeah. Um, which, and if you look at, if you look at the soul, you can even see that uh, I, I like how the soul images in this are often sort of contain subtle lore hints. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is even a lore hint at all, but you know, we were talking about the storm and like the cyclone. It appears as though, you know, just like you guys brought up the comparison of Ornstein and Smo earlier, um, just as, you know, when you kill Ornstein first, then you get the, the soul of Smo and vice versa. In this case, it seems like he sort of absorbed, like the soul of the King of the Storm was absorbed into his own. Because if you look at the image, you can see that there's, uh, you know, just the normal soul graphic. And then there's sort of a cyclone around the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's two of them mm-hmm. fused like that. Yeah. Sort of like the Twin Prince's soul as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, dual dual kind of soul yeah kind of thing way into um, it um i'm also into solaire not being the the you know gwen's firstborn i like mm-hmm. that that he just continued to be like a regular dude um that's, uh, or but, a number of intolerable <laughs> theories about right. what happened to solaire i mean um, just i mean to see like i'm, I'm sorry i'm just talking about his provenance <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah i like i, I understand like my apparently it's like I didn't think I was a minority on this, and I think I am. Like I, I ended up actually liking Solaire being the firstborn quite a bit. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I did too. I, I like it's it's because it felt like um, one. I really like the idea of him having a, a you know two, a son and a daughter. One is the sun and one is the moon. Like mm-hmm. just kind of worked for me, um, and it kind of made uh, like it added like he seems like too important of a character to to not be significant in the world. Mm. You know. Um, I understand the, the significance of insignificance too, like the kind of like, Oh, he's just a regular man. That's what makes him special. Like I get that too. Um, it worked for me though. Like him being the kind of amnesiac son of this, like made a complete picture Hmm. for me. And it was also like a big, you know, that's the first, uh, I'm not the first person to make this observation, but some of the backlash against this is that like, that was the, like one of the first like community lore breakdown things or like breakthroughs. <laughs> like that was like kind of a thing where like a lot of people work together to kind of come to those conclusions and put together the clues to make that fit. Yeah. And it still kind of fits like it, it's, it still would make sense if this wasn't just a, a period at the end of the sentence, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that they kind of bums me out. I accept it. It's just not, I just don't like it as much. Yeah. You know, I think it, it goes back to uh, something that, that Vadi said, uh, again, in the Untended Graves episode, uh, that, you know, when you go to the Untended Graves or like after you defeat uh, Osiris or however the heck you pronounce his name, mm-hmm. um, you go sort of into that antechamber part behind the boss room. And uh, something that Vati said was that, you know, basically at this point, everything you think you know about Dark Souls mm-hmm. is challenged. And I think... It's probably fitting given the fact that we get the gesture to come to this place when we go there. Uh, but I think that also applies here in in many instances, and especially, yeah, everything you think you know, I, I was I was sort of halfway in and out, but I leaned more closely towards Solaire being the being the son's firstborn, uh, just because, like you said, it seemed to make sense. Um, but then, <laughs> yep, uh, after my playthrough, when everyone yelled at me for not realizing who that was, I was like, oh shite, that that is yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. It, it's definitely interesting. Like it doesn't, it's not a war crime that it, it's not the right thing at the very, at the most, <laughs> it, it, what it, it uh, what it falls under for me is the, in the category of like answers, dark souls three gives to questions. I wasn't asking, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't mm-hmm. playing this being like, man, who was the firstborn, you know, and what they actually filled it in with while 
kind of cool in a cartoonishly metal sense yeah. uh, to me is not like doesn't feel very soulsy to me in in a lot of ways like some of this kind of like the ancient path of warrior stuff like him rebelling during that war with the dragons like the war with the dragons was fine like mm. i didn't want additional detail to that <laughs> that I, conflict there was already a, there, there was already a betrayal in that yeah <laughs> like it's, mm-hmm. It just it just muddies up. It feels like, you know, a revisionist history thing that doesn't it doesn't make Dark Souls one cooler and it doesn't make Dark Souls three cooler to me. Um, so I, I, just, maybe, I just don't know. Maybe what, it was just yeah. Miyazaki watching lore videos after releasing Dark Souls one <laughs> going, shit, I need to set the record. <laughs> I really That's wonder if he like watches really the only stuff. explanation I can come up with. Yeah, it would be it'd be fascinating to like set that if he doesn't watch that stuff, set him down and like show him like after this is no longer a thing. Like if it's not an economic concern, it's like 10 years out and be like, hey, this is the stuff that people were thinking, like how much of this is on the right track. Um, yeah, well, he said in the interview in the Bloodborne Guide that, uh, you know, if he was asked, he wouldn't say like he refuses yeah. to say because he wants everyone to have their own interpretation, which which I really admire. Yeah, I, I like that, too. As frustrating as it can be when trying to tease certain things out. Yeah. So, so this is this is what happened. Uh, this is the nameless king, probably named Sen. Um, I will I will buy that, um, even though it doesn't match the naming convention. But whatever, uh, Gwen. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, you know, was uh, you know was on the the side of, of Gwen. Decided to defect, uh, being the second betrayal in that, and join the side of the dragons. Um, that is why um, there's that thing where it talks about the firstborn son and how he was uh, expunged for losing the uh, the annals of, of, of history. That is mm-hmm. a, a mistranslation thing. Yep. He was expunged from the annals of history. Yeah. 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 So that that is a frustrating thing, too, because like before that, it was just like, oh, somebody lost like the records. Like, <laughs> you know, that maybe that was a little bit silly, but like that was what we had to go with, um, which seemed like something an amnesiac kind of maniac might do mm-hmm. um but instead it was somebody who was expunged from the records because he sided with the dragons yeah and apparently formed mm-hmm. this monastery about turning people into dragons <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah and probably may- maybe started the start of the whole path of dragon thing although yeah uh, there's uh, there's not an awful lot of evidence or anything linking this to uh to ash lake where you get that but yeah at the start the, i mean this uh, was clearly not the idea until, until yeah right until, now. until just now yeah mm-hmm. um yeah um, and then he just, like we said, he's lifelong bros with, uh, with this, uh, Storm King, uh, this Drake, um, who's more bird-like than dragon-like really. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, they rolled together until, you know, you ruined it. You monster. And I've, I've, I referenced it before. Some people think that that is Ornstein turning into a dragon. Um, I will put the, um, the, the video in, in, or in the link in the description or in the show notes, um, about, uh, you know, like one or two of the, the theories about that. Um, I watched some of those at first, my idea, I was pretty scoffful of that because I, I don't like the idea very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once I kind of detached myself from this area where I'm like, oh, it doesn't really matter whether I like it. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's surprisingly plausible. It's more plausible than Solaire being soup. It's mm-hmm. more plausible than Solaire <laughs> being a centipede. Yeah. So like, it's not actually that bad. Maybe Ornstein defected, became a dragon mm. uh, and became the storm king. Yeah, that's maybe su- th- that's super weird though because Ornstein is still. I mean, uh, I guess he's an illusion there in the service. How how does this uh, reconcile with the fact that we're a thousand years after, um, or you know, untold ages after uh, um, Dark Souls two? Dark Souls two when he was decrepit and abyss touched. Yeah, and all that. Uh, I mean, I guess the idea that he went after that and then became a dragon afterwards, and dragons can live forever. Hmm. Um, also, the fact that this, you know, in 
only in a number is this a thousand years after Dark yeah, Souls 2. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's in never real life, it's about minutes. 10 minutes after it. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, just and the fact that the game has done a very bad job of making this feel like it's a long time after Dark Souls 1. Yeah. Um, and also, who knows where we're at in time when we're here, etc. That's yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So may, maybe this is Ornstein. Um, the, reason, the other the bits of evidence for this is we find Ornstein's armor. It's not on a corpse. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it's something that he definitely discarded. Um, and yeah, he left the ruined cathedral to search for the nameless king. Mm-hmm. So he either showed up here, uh, got naked for some reason or another, and was either <laughs> uh, slayed or turned into one of these dragons, uh, possibly the Stormdrake, possibly one of the wyverns from before, possibly one of the bros we find worshiping in the uh, the main chamber. Mm. Um, so he's here and he's naked. That's mm-hmm. what we know. He's here to party. He's here to party. Yeah, yeah. Um, he brought the party. What? What? Um. What other lore stuff is there to this? Do we? Is that really it? Do we have anything else? Well, with we Smo, like the item description for Smo stuff says that he was the last knight left guarding the ruined cathedral. And I do seem to recall in Dark Souls 1, uh, I didn't add any of this to my notes, so I could be remembering this wrong. But I do seem to recall in Dark Souls 1 that it was said that he couldn't be a knight because he ate people. Mm-hmm. So there seems to be a whole lot of revisionist history going on here. Yeah, I mean, Smo was and an it's executioner. Really, yeah, yeah, and and it's it's said in this game also that he's a knight, which you know, I, I don't know how much of that is meant to be, you know, an illustration of, uh, you know, yes, these are just the vagaries of history. So kind of that thing I was talking about right at the start of the podcast, or if it's meant to to actually say this is what actually happened. And that, you know, the illusions you fought were just, you know, again, illusions. So yeah. I'm not sure. And I, I think if if anything, they probably just retcon ignored, um, dra- you know, Dark Ornstein from Dark Souls 2, because I, I could never really figure out what the heck he was doing there. At least me yeah. personally. And, and I've never really read a satisfying lore theory about it, uh, about his presence there. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think it was just retconned as well. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that that and the the kind of inconsistency with with snow and the fact uh, Smo and the fact that we uh, there's no inconsistency in snow like he's the informer the um <laughs> but the uh, the the inconsistency with Smo whether he is a knight those things it feels like it is just kind of retconned in favor of telling the story mm-hmm. you know about about the sun which again has the sense of kind of like melodrama that rings a little false to me um, but. You know, a lot of people like it. I don't want to take the joy away. So, <laughs> in, and in the end, it's like I'm not, despite not liking either boss in this area or the lore of the end boss. Like, I actually like this area. Oh, this, this area is fantastic. It's like very beautiful. The actual design of the levels is really great. The way the enemies and encounters are designed is very good. It's a lot like the last episode where the actual level design and encounter design is really, really good. It's just where it fits into the world that like kind of bums me out. Um, it's kind of like final thoughts. What, uh, uh, Callum, what, what is What are your kind of wrap up thoughts on, on our dragon peak? Uh, I like the area a lot. Um, much like you two, I, uh, I think, I think I'm a little bit, I like the boss a little bit more than the two of you do, but I do share many of your frustrations. I would echo many of uh, the sentiments that you've expressed here, um, in just how somewhat unreasonable the boss is in its difficulty. But, uh, and yeah, no, I, I think I've said pretty much everything I have to say. So, uh, yeah, cool area. Um, 
one that is really tough, at least my first playthrough, to do at the tail end of a like 30-hour series of <laughs> blind playthrough. But um, but yeah, I really like it, and, and I'm, I'm glad that I was asked to be on because uh, it was an area I hadn't really put a heck of a lot of thought into until um, you guys asked me to be on. And I did a bunch of research in the last week or two, and uh, yeah. If nothing else, I, I really, really enjoy the end of uh, Hawkwood's quest line. I thought that was really, really oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Nope. All, I, all I go, all the thoughts, this is a very well-designed area, like the enemies, things like that. I think that it benefits a lot from being so apart from everything, um, separated and distinct. It's almost like the Kanehurst of this game in some ways. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I think that, that that covers up for a lot of sins, both thematically and kind of like play-wise. And I'm going to say, yeah, like I before this conversation, I never really put Hawkwood into as much context as we kind of established here. And yeah, fuck yeah, Hawkwood. You know. Yeah, <laughs> go Hawkwood, man. Good on the, you. Uh, Got your group back. <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah, he's 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 a good boy. Um, yeah, it, it's a uh, yeah, it's it, it's good. Um, it's just uh, and you know, I'll, I'll be fair to you and and say that like some of some of my crankiness about the boss stuff definitely comes from that first blush of just kind of being a little bit over. You know, like ending a game with like a big optional challenge thing. Like mm-hmm. it would have been a good thing for like you know not not immediately going into new game plus like going here a little bit later mm-hmm. you know instead of kind of like you know banging my head up against the wall like if i had you know it wasn't even like i was playing for for the show or anything either it was just like i wanted to you know i wanted to play the game if i had like maybe put it down for like a week or two maybe i'd come at it and feel a little bit better yeah about mm-hmm. it but just that first that first impression is not erasable and was very negative yeah mm-hmm. um yeah cuz it's so. really hard to disentangle the boss encounter from you know the the point in the game where you you will invariably be when you fight it for the first time is because it's not like Gunstar Heroes where it's just part of a whole boss rush stage, and mm-hmm. you know you can kind of just come to it at various different points. And which you know you guys have talked throughout the series uh, throughout the season about the lack of sequence breaking that is kind of disappointing. So I won't go into that, but just yeah, again for me like I. I came to this boss for the first time after the end of a very long blind playthrough that had taken up more of my time than I had anticipated it would. And so I was just, you know, frustrated and kind of done at that point. Like I, I still enjoyed it, but yeah, it it wasn't, you know, very difficult given the context to enjoy the boss as much as I perhaps otherwise ought to have. Yeah. Yeah. A a lot of, a lot of highs, a lot of lows um, here. Um, Callum, can you uh, remind people online where they can find your, find your stuff? Yeah, you can just search for me on YouTube, uh, Aegon of Astora, A-E-G-O-N of Astora. I also stream occasionally, but not very often on Twitch. Uh, same name, just with underscores instead of spaces. Hmm. Yeah, and and recommended. Um, you should you should definitely check out uh, check out your stuff because it is good. Thanks very much. So thank you to Callum, aka Aegon of Astora. Yeah, uh, for that that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, <laughs> kind of kind of a good capper um, on on all of this. I don't know who we have uh, lined up or who we're going to get for uh, the the DLC for Ashes of Ariandel. You do? I do. Oh dang, what are we yeah. getting? Uh, Dave Riley uh, from the Fast Karate for the Gentleman podcast. Oh yeah, um, there we go. Also a uh, games uh, games reviewer mm-hmm. in his own right. Um, it was uh, suggested one of our community members, uh, Lion Yeti, mm-hmm. uh, suggested him because I. Somebody in my Ask FM posted his review of Ashes of Ariandel, which is on point as hell. Like it is, uh, <laughs> it is the review that I read of that that I agreed with the most. Yeah. Um, which again, 
boy, I, I should stop apologizing for being myself, but I thought the <laughs> DLC really sucks. More yeah. or less. I mean, it's like a, it's like a C, C minus. Right. right. Um, but the uh, and a lot of the reasons I don't like it, uh, he picked up on. I'm not trying to just create an echo chamber, mm-hmm. but I also didn't want to start a fight where like <laughs> we just have somebody who's like, no, it's amazing, and it's yeah, like, well, yeah. and then the entire episode is us just saying alternate things. So we'll, we'll talk about the good and the bad. Yeah. They probably won't line up exactly. Right. Uh, so the, so both sides will be represented. I'm sure. Yes. Um, uh, so I, I, I don't know if it was, uh, if it was Mr. Riley, uh, but, uh, somebody from the fast karate for the gentleman podcast donated it to duck stream. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that, that's, uh, if it was Dave, thank you. Um, yeah. if it was someone else also, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's going to be in two weeks where we talk about the ashes of Arian Dell, mm-hmm. um, in its entirety. So it might be a little bit of a longer episode. It's yeah. a huge area, but there are multiple bosses. Yes. Um, um, if you want to write in about that, we're still taking those responses. Uh, that is at, uh, duckfeed.tv slash contact. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, a couple of people have asked me a reach out specifically about what the going to happen with the show. Um, join us on Facebook. Yes. Um, I've been talking about that. I've been soliciting uh, kind of what people would want. Um, I have our plans for the immediate future mm-hmm. and the off season kind of outlined yeah. up through like the first quarter of 2017. Yeah. yeah. So we're, you know, we're not going anywhere is the short answer, but I don't want to just say all that stuff again. So the details are there and you should follow us on Facebook mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so that is facebook.com forward slash bonfire side chat. Yes. Um, and you can, you can see what we're doing after uh, ashes of Ariandel. And the uh, the end game right. uh, kind of episode. Um, we'll also DLC two will obviously just get slotted in as soon as we can. Mm-hmm. So once it comes out, we have a chance to play it, and we can put it between games we're doing for the off season. Yes. Um, if you want to, uh, we're going to be coming up not too long on our first episode of Bonfireside Chat After Dark, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, going to come up. This is a show about uh, kind of listener prompts questions kind of generalities of the soul series from software and you know some gaming in general i'm sure will uh sneak in there um and that's going to be coming up if you want a chance to be a guest on that show um the way to do that is supporting us on patreon.com if you go to patreon.com forward slash duck tv yeah um you can check out all our rewards um people have been very generous lately we really do appreciate that and uh that is where you go to to join the undead legion of followers <laughs> Yes. Uh, um, our Farron's <laughs> keeping me in food. <laughs> our Farron's um, keeping me from being evicted. Um, yes. <laughs> yep. um, and uh, it's because of that that we're able to do uh, new and exciting shows like Days of Future Cast, uh, mm-hmm. Jeremy and Gary's, uh, um, I, 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 I almost said exploration, but that's dumb. Uh, pod- <laughs> Gary, Gary and Jeremy's podcast. Yes. Uh, about uh, the X-Men animated series. Or um, something that just started up here. Uh, Radio Free Midworld, which is our podcast about the Dark Tower series of books by Stephen King. Yeah, um, and coming soon, um, you know, we recently uh, reached another goal for Patreon. Um, we're going to start talk about the Passion, which is a show about uh, REM, the band, mm-hmm. not the sleep, not the letters, um, <laughs> the band, uh, chronological exploration. <laughs> got to We got to strike those words for our vocabulary. Yep. Um, <laughs> of the, the band REM between me and Cole. Uh, that's going to be a real blast. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You know, if people here have really branched out to like our other premium shows, like try this and stuff. But I really like talking about music with Me you. Me too. And yeah. I think it will be, uh, it'll be really good. Yeah. Um, uh, in fact, uh, in the preamble to this, when we were in the green room, I uh, I bought a, uh, a biography of the band so I could read that and be oh, all well read and shit. I'm gonna do that too. Yeah. We should. Uh, should we get different ones or the same ones? What, what makes um, the most sense? Let's see here. <laughs> it depends. Not many of them are available on Kindle, and only one of them has above four stars. 
I, I will probably get a physical book okay. just because it's easier. So I will just look around and find one that has a high rating. And if it's the same one, great. <laughs> if not, also okay. Yes. Um, so yeah, we have that. And we have other you know new uh, milestone goals coming up. So just check out all that stuff. Um, we really do appreciate mm-hmm. your support. And mm-hmm. uh, you get something for it. It's not a, you know, we'd feel bad just taking your money for nothing. Right. So uh, we want to give back. Yeah. Um, and one of those things is uh, certain people at certain tiers uh, get to be thanked. Yeah, everyone yeah. likes hearing their name on air, <laughs> uh, not you least of all. So let's do it. Um, so very special thanks to uh, Stephen Witten. Yes, um, another one to uh, to Charles Pierce. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles Pierce. Uh, Will Owens, uh, oh, yeah. my friend OG. and uh, Chris. Yep. yep. Uh, Will is fantastic. Thank you, Will. Yep. Uh, we had him on early in the series, right? Yeah. Yeah. Will's been on the show before. Yes. There we go. It's in, God, three years. Uh, more than three years. Good God. Um, Brad Carey. Absolutely. Brad Carey, also a stalwart. Excellent cat, Brad Carey. <laughs> yes. As I uh, am friends with on Facebook, see lots of pictures of cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frederick Rosenvik, yeah. um, also a longtime fan. Yeah. Uh, um, from Sweden. Tons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fantastic. I love when international people yeah. uh, show up. Um, and just so this doesn't Note, become... Oh, good. Noted Sorry. villain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. God. I didn't want to... I wanted to stop right before him. A, because we want to do about five of these an episode. But uh, it's it's appropriate to, uh, to, to, to mention this now. Uh, noted villain, uh, Brian Wade, a.k.a. the uh, the man made entirely of deceit, who uh, pulled the rug out from under <laughs> me and dropped me into a manhole of Star Wars. Yes, you know you know that uh, that snake person statue at the end of the DLC, <laughs> and how you look inside it, it's just full of lies. Yep, uh, that's what happens once you open up Brian's creamy skin. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, so, so yeah, Brian, uh, and that was during uh, as Cole mentioned, I really uh, Duckstream, which we <laughs> recently did. Um, I want to thank everybody who's listening to this who helped us with that. Yeah, journey. that exceeded our wildest expectations beyond um, anything that we would have ever thought reasonable to ask for. Yes. Um, so you, you are very generous. Um, you know, whatever part we had in cultivating this community, uh, you know, I'm very proud. And uh, you heard, you know, at the beginning uh, of the episode and the beginning of shows in the network, you know, this time we're not going to go into full on politics mode because of, of the election. But we're reaffirming our, our place as, you know, accepting of all people, races, genders, uh, sexualities, creeds. Any of those things, um, you know, we accept and love everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is, this is, you know, we will not tolerate uh, harassment in our spaces. Nope. Uh, people for any of those reasons under no circumstances. Uh, so we, um, you know, this is going to be, this is a one part of kind of a, a general, uh, a general perspective uh, on this stuff that is not so much about politics as it is about human rights and mm-hmm. uh and, and kind of human kindness. Yep. And this was this was a big part of it, and you guys helped with that. Yes. Immensely. Very much so. So, uh, very much uh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of anything else. I think that we have uh, we, we have rung it out. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us as we, uh, we wrap up the end of this game, mm-hmm. as we're getting near the end. So, really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to what comes next, and I think you guys will dig it, too. Yeah. Cool. Uh, uh, so... Until next time. Uh, until, until next time, I will be the true dragon. Umbasa. Umbasa. And we all pray that we will have far more soon. I'll just let you have it. Fuck it. <laughs>